Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, he is your coach. He is my coach. He is the senior sports editor of the ODPH, Coach Duffy. I didn't feel like performing today. But I came in anyway, because that's what you got to do. But I'm here, so all right. We appreciate you, Coach. Whatever. The thousands of the ODPH Society appreciate you as well. And we appreciate you listening here as well, because, you know, without you, there is no ODPH. So we want to interact with you. We're asking you to jump in the conversation on social media. How do you find out about us? You simple. You go over OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You join in on Facebook. You join in on Twitter. You join in on Instagram. You can join in on Podchaser. Drop us a five-star review. We're cool with that. Check out the T Public store. You can support us going on there and so much more. But always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let us kick off this sports edition talking about the weekend that was super wild card weekend in the NFL. Pad kick us off yeah so we're going to be going in order uh the way the games were played so uh, first we're going to talk about the saturday games we're going to start off with uh, a game that i don't really think anybody gave a shit about who knows uh that was the buffalo bills defeating the indianapolis colts by the final score of 27 to 24 uh josh allen had 26 of 35 for 324 yards passing two touchdowns no interceptions philip rivers 27 of 46 for 309 yards passing two touchdowns no interceptions we apologize for the comments of Padawan Jay for those egregious and blasphemous comments about Saturday's game. Coach, why don't you kick off your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Philip Rivers is the ugliest arm in a throwing motion I think I've seen in my life. Yeah. That was, it was tough to watch. The the cannon slash uh, shot put throwing motion, I mean, it's gotten worse. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, at least when he was like in the younger years, it had a little zip to it. Now it's like, I mean, it's floundering. Fog. Yeah, it's yeah. like literally like, uh, uh, it's like watching my, you know, six-year-old daughter try and throw with her wrong hand. It's tough. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, this was a great game. It was a lot of fun. I mean, Bill's up early, looking real, real good. Uh, well, I mean, it was back and forth, right? It was mm-hmm. a little, yeah, a little yeah. contested. Yeah. Then the Bills kind of opened it up a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is a lock. The Bills are going to cover because I believe the spread was, what, six? Yep. Yeah, so Aaron, my, my wife, and I had a little side game going since we didn't have the pick em this week. Um, so I was like, oh, Bills will definitely cover this because I just didn't think the Colts would have the offense to keep up. Uh, well, you know, the Bills do what the Bills do in the second half of games, which is take a little f- siesta. Mm-hmm. Little that nap- third quarter of doom, man. A little naparoony, you know. Yeah. So then, uh, obviously, the Colts started marching the way back. And what an exciting last minute. Yeah. Exciting is one way to describe it. I mean, it was for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I had no horse in the race, so I was like, all right, let's get this going. Pad? Uh, well, first of all, to Bill's Mafia, I just want to wish you a happy belated anniversary for the Music City Miracle. Man, you really want that smoke this week. <laughs> you really want that uh, smoke. I'm sorry, I had to go there. No, I mean, this was a good win for Buffalo, albeit a bit of a wake-up call. And I think Buffalo, I don't, I, I don't know the phrase, but I think Buffalo got caught a little complacent. 
coming off of that big win against Miami, blowing them out by 30 points, 40 points, or whatever the hell it was, rolling all oh, Josh Allen's slinging 9,000 touchdowns in the game. Stephon Diggs has got 1 million yards receiving in the game. Everyone's, I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking great. We're looking awesome. And then you come into Indianapolis, which admittedly, they got a pretty decent defense. Nothing stellar. Nothing, you know, like the 85 Chicago Bears, you know, but they're still a pretty good defense. And But then you look at the offense. Okay, Jonathan Taylor, 21 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 3.7 yards per uh, run. Uh, nothing special. Uh, and then receiving uh, Michael Pittman Jr., five catches, 90 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Jack Doyle, seven catches, 70 yards, one touchdown. Stop me if you've heard any, any of these names before. Uh, Zach Pascal, three catches, 37 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Trey Burton, three catches, 34 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, two catches, 32 yards. Like, the receiving core is nothing really special outside of T.Y. Hilton, which, let's face it, he's not the same T.Y. Hilton he was in years past. Mm -hmm. You know, good win for Buffalo, but I think this was a bit of a wake-up call of, hey, you're good, but just don't take it for granted. I fully agree with you. I think the problem that they had was after they completely buried Miami. Mm -hmm. And granted, I love that game, though. Don't don't think I'm hating about that Oh, sure. They bought into the hype. We always talk about this with AEW and Kool-Aid drinking and rose-colored glasses where you start buying into the hype you're hearing from other people. Like, you are this unstoppable juggernaut. I know the news media was running with, oh, they can beat Kansas City. They can do – Yeah. They're immediately crowning them Super Bowl champs. Right. Which I am saying, look, as a lifelong Bills fan – Pump the brakes. Uh-huh. The fact that we got here, we suffered one major injury with Zach Moss being right. out the playoffs. He has an ankle injury. And replaced him with Devontae Freeman. Yeah, who just got signed off waivers. Uh, or free agency, rather. Yeah, he was not signed to the Giants' 53 active roster. Yeah, I forgot about it. Like, he's, he's kind of falling off the, shelf, yeah, the yeah. shuttle. So it's like, hey, hey, he actually had some glimpse. I Had he not been hurt for those four games? Like, he would have continued to play. They wouldn't have needed Alfred Morris. But, mm-hmm. like, he goes down. Alfred Morris gets signed. They give the job to Wayne Gallman. Uh, and, you know, when Devontae Freeman came back, they just didn't need him anymore. So they were like, all right. right. So this is actually, I when I found out they picked him up, I, you know, got a chuckle because, yeah, like, of course, like, here's, you know, an ex-Giant player now going to the second round of the playoffs. But, like, you got a ball player. Yeah, we do, and, we're, and it's sorely needed, too. Yeah, run game. I mean, because Josh Allen should not be your leading rusher. Your leading rusher. Yeah. And no. having to, like, fight for yards because, like, there's a couple of them where I was like, Joshy Poo, you gotta go down, dog, and he's yeah. fighting for more yards and I'm like, that's a recipe for disaster, especially against, you know, Baltimore defense. I admire, but we're not there yet. I admire the heart. Don't, yeah. don't get it twisted, but I fully agree with you, and I've been screaming slide. The fact that he stopped trying to hurdle defenders, I call a win. But the fact that he tried running chest first into a few of them. I mean, listen, baby steps. Yeah, I, I'm just saying they're going, Josh, you're too valuable to the team. You can't do this. The running game has been suspect all year. Yeah. That Devin Singletary has, I don't want to say had a decline, but they didn't use him the proper way. And I think that he is too small of a back to be your every down back. Like yeah, I see you him, can't tote the rock yeah. 20 times a no. game. I see him being the Darren Sproles type player. Like yeah. That's, that's yeah. who he reminds me of a lot. But with Zach Moss, he was supposed to be the one to balance out. He was more like a younger version of Frank Gore. Sure. Except he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that he shows that he still needs some work. And I think with the line being as banged up as it was this year, 
he did an adequate job. Nothing like nothing right home about, but it was definitely he tried doing what he could do. So that being said, the Bills became very one-dimensional, and with Josh being the one that's leading the charge and running, hey, he's winning the games, and that's what counts at the end of the day. Right, right. design but, runs too. Like I, I mean, I don't want people like they're designed runs. Oh yeah, they're not even just you know, I'm gonna the pocket's broken down, I'm gonna get outside. No, these are literally like old team Tim Tebow QB powers. Mm-hmm. And I think that Brian Dabble is using that to his advantage. I mean, he's always been a run-heavy offensive coordinator. Always, sure. always has sure. been. So I can see him trying to do it. I just worry with our franchise quarterback, is this the right play? However, you're moving the chains and you're getting points on the board. I mean, one of the ugliest touchdowns I've ever seen was that little shuffle pass to Dawson Knox that, I mean, quite frankly, I was like, okay, was that really supposed to be a pass? But no, but Josh was smart enough to get rid of the ball. Hey, I mean, Devontae Freeman will come in and run the ball. Yeah, and that's what we need. So I think it'll be a good fit for them. And I think for Indianapolis, they did show flashes of, of brilliance too. Sure. Because they were running a very widespread offense. And the fact that Michael Pittman was burning the hell out of the team on the outside, I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But I think the scariest thing I took away from Indianapolis' offense, how wide open they left Jack Doyle. Okay, And that is a tight end that is not striking fear in the hearts of defensive coordinators. No. Travis Kelsey does. I mean, Jack Dole is a respectable tight end. Respectable, but yeah. not not a game changer like well, Kelsey. I mean, I, it's I, like it's how they use him, though. I mean, I when Kelly when Doyle came out of Stanford, I was like, and Stanford and he you know went to the Colts. I was like, this is a great pickup. Oh yeah, no, yeah. he's he's a great pickup. But I'm saying for a game changer like yeah, the, the for Kelsey the, is for the season. Doyle's got 23 catches, 251 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't think that's any fault of his. It's not any fault, but my point. What yeah. I'm saying is they uh, did. Phil a, Rivers can't throw the ball more than five yards. Yeah, they took advantage of a team that really <laughs> has no passing game and was really relying heavy on the run. But when they were passing, you're allowing players that are not exactly known for taking over a game. Yeah. To start to take over. I mean, right? how, how many names did I have to read off from the, the Indianapolis receiving core before I hit a name that you knew? Well, I knew T.Y. Hilton. Well, yeah. Well, sure, but that so was, that was one, the third, one, right? One, two, three, four. That was the fifth name. All right, read them again. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., Jack Doyle, Zach Ooh, Pascal, Jack Doyle. Trey, Trey Burton, and then T.Y. Hilton. Oh, Trey Burton played Dallas. Yep. All right, so I got three out of five. Yeah, not he, fucking shabby, Sean. Not too shabby, my not coach. Too shabby. Not, not too shabby at all. But... And Pittman was a hot fantasy name. He was at the end. Yeah. Like I say, he was, but All right. for what you got from Indianapolis, I mean, Phillip Rivers definitely looked his age. And he definitely yeah. looked like yeah. this should have been the last game. And it was even cool. weird on that pre in that pre show too. He was already talking about coaching after the season. Dude, hit well, he's got that line that job at the yeah. high school in uh Alabama. Mm-hmm. No, my my thing was and I I mean flash forward to the end of the game, you know, you've got this you know, the the fumble that wasn't a fumble. That was a fumble. That wasn't. Yeah, that um, very questionable. I mean, just, that was a fumble, dude. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no way you can say for anybody that didn't see the play that uh, Pascal caught the ball, went down and got up and made a football move, and the Bills popped the ball while out. he was up. I mean, yeah, well, he, right. he was upright. The thing was that they said his shin was still touching. I assume, yeah, because right? I mean that was nuts though. They said but, that, and they said it, the hand of the back of the defender was counting for him being down. That was the argument. But his back of his hand wasn't touching I him. know. That's what I said, yeah. too. Like, um, no, the thing was, is Jacoby Brissett didn't come in and throw that Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you have a guy who can't throw the ball more than legit? And I know I said the five-yard joke a minute ago, but, like, he legitimately can't throw the ball more than 30 to 40 yards. 
and you have him come in for a 40-yard, 40 40, actually 45-yard needed Hail Mary, and he can't throw that far. How do you not bring in Percet? Don't say shit. I might even consider Jacob Eason. Like, people know it's coming. They yeah. know, like, it's not like you're going to, like, all of a sudden, Buffalo sideline, there's seven seconds left on the clock. Mm. Uh, you know, out comes Jacoby Brissett, and, you know, Buffalo's going to have to waste the timeout. Oh, boy. They're lining up for the Hail Mary, guys. We yeah. didn't see this coming. Like, say, not a lot of teams are gonna, are, aren't going to run what I like to call the schoolyard bullshit, which is lateral, 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 until you hope you pull off a, a Calvert Stanford. Right, which they could have done, but, like, you could have. I would have, had you brought Brissett in and then done the lateral, 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 that would have thrown me off guard. Sure. Yeah. But, like, sure. you bringing in Phillip Rivers or keeping Rivers in the game, I'm already assuming, okay, you're going you're gonna to toss this ball. And if you do lateral, 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 like, we're ready for it. You know, mm-hmm. but, like, Brissett would have been the, like, oh, they're definitely throwing the Hail Mary. There's no way. And then all of a sudden you might have caught him off guard with the lateral bullshit. Yeah, it's something that I think Frank Reich and the office offensive team just didn't have a good game plan for the crunch time. It seemed like they got overwhelmed in the moment. Well, and I think they just didn't have an answer for it. You know, where okay, we got to go with Rivers, who's our guy, but then he can't throw deep and shit. We don't know. Yeah, we, we got have. dink and dump, dink and dump. Yeah, you yeah. know, and eventually those, especially once you tackle them in bounds. Yeah, you know, you're forcing their hand of either using a timeout if they yeah. have them left, mm-hmm. or to get on the ball and spike it. Yeah, it was just something that they just looked very, like I say, caught off guard is yeah. the easiest yeah. way to put it. I don't know if it's just they got in the crunch moment and they just panicked. I do, but I don't feel like they did. It was just something that I think looking back on, they know where they made the mistakes, and when Indianapolis gets back to the playoffs, they're going to be in contention. For Buffalo, they Well, moved, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they got a quarterback question. Well, they have a quarterback question they're going to need to answer in the offseason. But they have the defense that can at least get them in contention. That's the one big thing that is the takeaway from Indianapolis. That they hung in there and they really slowed the Bills down. And for being the high-powered offense that everybody's saying is the second coming of Kansas City, they really humbled the Bills, which I think is, like Pat touched upon, I think it's a good thing. I think that they needed to show that they could win this close one. They can definitely build some confidence off it, and I think it's a wide-open eye-awakener that if you're facing who you're facing next week, you can't take those mistakes and you can't buy into the media hype. If if I can comment on that real quick, because sure. I the thing with the, the media hype and everything, like they they've earned it though. You know, like I mean the, the offense had been playing well enough. Mm-hmm. You hang, you know, fifty for what, thirty points on a, a division rival? 30, 30 plus. Yeah, 30. It, 30 plus. It, it was it was they almost scored sixty points. Right. Yeah. But by halftime they were up thirty. Oh, yeah. And you score that by halftime with your starters in, in a game that counts for them, that matters for them. They need to win this game. You didn't, you know. You dropped that on them. Like, that proved to me that, like, you know, this offense is legitimate. And, I mean, I, I think part of the problem is is that, obviously, in the media realm, they need the story. They yeah, need sure, the narrative. Sure. So, like, yeah, Kansas City is a clear-cut favorite. But, like, if they don't have the, hey, ball, you know, uh, Buffalo's right here, you know, like, they don't have that. And plus, I mean, everybody's so enamored, so in love with the Buffalo story, mm-hmm. the struggles, yeah, yeah. the what missed field goals, the giant Super Bowl victory, the Cowboys Super Bowl victories. It's been a long, long oh, yeah. no. story oh, yeah. struggle. Yeah. 
that's not hammering home. Oh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was waiting for you to get done, and I'm gonna be like, listen, but here, you know the Pinto, uh, Ron, you know all the all the caricatures. Uh, all right, Steve Poncho, rest in peace. Steve, yeah, Steve McNair. You know, and and here you are, and like Buffalo's winning. You know, in a power play, in a power move where they are a power team, and it's like. You know, the media needs to milk that story for what it's worth. Oh, sure. And, and it makes sense if you're milking it for the fans, like the Kens and the other folks we know. But if you're a player in Buffalo, you got to see that and go, okay, crumple up the proverbial sheet of paper and toss it in the waste paper basket and not well, get caught up in I it. I mean, I yeah. don't think they are. I think their problem is that they have a, a storied track record of fucking up the third quarter. I Well, no, they, well, they do <laughs> have that they track do. record. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the problem is they just they don't – they come out of halftime for whatever reason, whether they're up or you know close, in, whether they're when they're winning a game at halftime, mm-hmm. they come out complacent in the third. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I no, mean that's we we've that's talked about that many right. times. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. the problem with the, that's the actual problem with the team is whatever happens from the end of the second quarter to the start of the third. That 15 minute halftime, if they could just get rid of that and play straight football. Yeah, that would be the limit for this team. They, but they, there's 15 minute break. They would be perfect. But the problem that I had with this is, and Pat touched upon too, that they needed to just throw out any kind of media hype because they are still a young team. Like that's one thing that I don't think people realize. They're still very young. This is trying to get over what happened with Houston last year, and they came in on such a big wave and buying into it. The fans were allowed back in the stadium. Which, by the way, kudos I, to Bills Mafia because they sounded loud as hell too. I think that was the thing, really, honestly. That could be was the fans being there. That could be. Oh, c- you know the, that be. emotion of having people back in the building when they haven't been for the last sixteen weeks. You know, being able to experience that, that probably that emotion probably just weighed them the most. There was a lot of factors, but at the end of the day, they got a gritty win, and that's what they needed to do. So I'm hoping for this coming Saturday, eight p.m., because they got the primetime game, which that is going to be a sight. Nevertheless, pro tip: uh, Baltimore double covered digs. Oh, they're going to be six catches, one hundred and twenty-eight yards. Yeah, they'll be ready for that game. I, I mean, I'm expecting that to be the best game of the weekend, not just because the Bills are in it, but I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. That being said, but we're well, not there yet. We don't know who won the Baltimore Titan game. No, we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the Bills have locked in their ticket, but who else decided to join them, Pat? Uh, yeah, so we're going to switch to the next game up, which was between the L.A. Rams and the Seattle Seahawks, uh, where the L.A. Rams won by the final score of 30-20. Thanks a lot, Seattle. <laughs> Jared Goff, uh, 9 of 19 for 155 yards, one touchdown, no interception. Uh, John Wolford, 3 of 6, 29 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, we should note he did leave early in the game because of a nasty-looking injury. Yikes. Mm, uh, yeah, also, yeah. Uh, on the flip side, uh, for Seattle, Russell Wilson, 11 of 27 for 174 yards passing two touchdowns one interception coach your thoughts yeah this is a story of three of the team playing three times and mcveigh realizing the weakness that is the seattle's run defense and exploiting it i mean cam Akers running for 28 times for 131 yards just shows that they were like okay we are going to take your weakness and we are going to expose it, even though we aren't a great run team as we once were. Right. But we're going to do it anyway. And it, you know, was successful. I mean, obviously they had a couple good breaks, um, you know, with getting up early and being able to run the ball and yeah. limit the Seattle offense. Um, but this was a bad performance by Seattle. Yeah. And uh, you know, if I'm Seattle fans, I'm kind of frustrated. 
Yeah, no, if I'm Seattle fans, I'm definitely frustrated about this, you know. But it, what surprised me is it's just as bad as the Seahawks' defense has been. The thing you always hear is as bad as their pass defense. But what, mm-hmm. what is the what is the leading, you know, total? It's the run yards, like Coach mentioned. 131 yards rushing from Cam Akers. Cooper Cup, their leading receiver, four catches, 78 yards. And I just think it was a case of DK Metcalf got shut down. They didn't know what to do. Ramsey was on Metcalf for a bulk, if not all, of that game. You know, only had five catches for 96 yards. He had two touchdowns, so decent game, but he wasn't, you know, the game changer like you would expect. And then on the flip side, Tyler Lockett, two catches, 43 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Although I got to admit, one of those catches was fucking insane. Yeah. He made that, like, sideline one-handed catch with the defender all over him, so that was nuts. But I think this was just a case of, like Coach said, they played each other. This was the third time they're playing each other. They know what they're going to do. They're not exactly going to reinvent the wheel and bring out a new playbook. I think the one takeaway you really got to focus in on is Jared Goff was not supposed to play this game. Nope. John Warford did. Unfortunately, he suffered a, a neck injury. Goff came in with a broken thumb. Yep. Surgically repaired broken thumb. Still. Yeah. It ain't 100%. Not 100%. And he's still throwing for 155 on the highly touted Seattle defense. On nine passes. Well, highly touted. But I mean, they've been pretty bad. They've been pretty bad, but that at home they somehow turn on. But that pass defense, like I say, the fact that Jamal Adams is now getting a ton of surgery at the end of the season oh, from the earlier reports oh, yeah. I was reading, yeah. they were not prepared for what L.A. threw at him. And L.A. did a smart game plan. And they did a shutdown on D, D, uh, Metcalf there. DK had nothing. Well, even though he got 96 and 2, yeah. he still could not really answer Jalen Ramsey and for what the Rams were doing. So they targeted 11 times. He only caught five. Yeah. I mean, this is what, I, what the Rams did, you know, by A, going out and getting the defensive coordinator they did, B, you know, having a, a pretty vaunted pass rush. I mean, linebackers are, you know, probably a C-plus to a B-minus at best. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, having two legitimate 1 and 1A corners. Yeah. Like, that's that's the makeup of a great NFL defense. Like, you – in today's NFL, and, I mean, a true shutdown corner is not what it wants. I mean, it's not the no. same thing because no. the game has changed to the point where, you know, obviously passing the ball, you know, 40 times a game is not unheard of. So, you know, for Jalen Ramsey to still hold a guy – to five catches for 98 yards, like that's a great performance. And that's oh, that's what you need if you want to be a, a, a upper echelon style team. You know, besides the fact that you need a prime wide receiver, which I've already noted, mm-hmm. uh, you need to have a good shutdown corner on the other side. Yeah. And for the Rams, they definitely are looking playoff ready. That was the one They're thing. They're looking okay. But they, you know what they did? What they needed to do? That was a big statement win to go into Seattle. Because let's sure. face it, whatever, sure. the, no matter how bad Seattle is or how good Seattle is, going in there and getting a W yeah, out just like is, the Giants did. Is, a lot of teams do it, you know. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of teams do it. You know, just the vaunted six and ten New York Giants did it. Yeah, the the, N- the rightful NFC East champs. Facts. <clears throat> so it was always really interesting to see how this one was going to play out, and now where the Rams are going to go. To Green Bay is is, where they're going to go. Yeah, they're going to Green Bay. So now you have an ultimate matchup of Aaron Rodgers versus that defense. Yeah, or you have that vaunted offense run game with Cam Akers now clicking Mm -hmm. versus a bad Green Bay rush defense. Right. So something's got to give there. Oh, that old saying. There we go. See? I I have my my one-liners. Something's got to give. What breaks first? Exactly. But for Seattle, a lot broke. 
and I know that they have some a lot is to do. broken. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot is going to have to get on worked on this off season. So especially for a, a very uh, predicted Super Bowl winner, yeah, Super Bowl contender, assholes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so after this game, like, um, well, before the playoffs started, Aaron was like, "Oh, like who'd you pick to win the Super Bowl on the show?" And I was like, "Oh, I picked Seattle." And she goes, "Oh, what the guys do?" And I was like. <laughs> We all picked. We all not to win, we not to win. We'll all, to go to the Super Bowl. No, we like, all had them winning. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, we that's all even worse. Yeah, we, we all, all had them there, and we all had them winning. God. God. <laughs> no. Yes. No. So we were all let down by Russell Wilson and company. At a home playoff game. Ugh. Yeah. <sighs> Just an abysmal performance, and especially for a team that should have gone and. They won didn't even game. deserve yeah. to score that late garbage touchdown. No, that was just to cover something. Assholes. Yeah. It was absolutely egregious. Done talking about it. Moving so, on. So Seattle, like I say, is enjoying the offseason. They got some work to do. And for L.A., they love the fight Oh, we can get those weekend. video Russell Wilson throwing passes on the run in the nets. Yep. That's what we're going to get a lot of. Guys, oh, who's excited for that? Not this guy. Oh, I'm looking I, forward to it. I got other football to watch. Yeah. Speaking oh, listen to me. I got my team still in the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Because the team that won your division was playing our next game. Yeah, so the closeout Saturday night, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Washington football team, uh, and Tampa Bay emerged victorious, winning by the final score of 31-23. to uh, Tom Brady, 22-40 of 40 for 381 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Taylor Haneke, uh, Who? T- exactly, 26-44 of 44 for 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. XFL superstar. I heard Tony Dungy has him in the Hall of Fame already. I'll say XFL Hall of Famer. My guy, Jordan, Coach. he hate me. Break it down. I Yeah, I mean, well, here we have uh, <laughs> a quarterback duel that nobody saw coming in uh, Brady and Hanke. Um, Washington's defense, damn good. Vastly I mean, underrated. like, they're going to yeah. be, you know, in the coming years, like, if they get, you know, another secondary piece, that front four – with all first-round picks, is very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that Chase Young did not have a great second game against a young Andrew Thomas of the New York Giants starting left tackle. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely petrified of facing that twice a year for the next, like, 10 years. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, no, definitely a good win for Tampa Bay. And it kind of surprised me because we've heard all year that this Washington defense is silently good, that shutting this down. Maybe it's a case of Brady being Brady, but he carved him up like fucking cheddar cheese. Mm. Uh, Mike Evans, 119 yards catching. Chris Godwin, 79 yards catching. Uh, Antonio Brown, 49 yards catching. Christ, Leonard Fournette had 39 yards catching. Well, what I will say to that, Pat, is that the Washington defense is good. Like, I'm not, I, I understand this performance doesn't look good, but yeah, I mean, this was Tom Brady being Tom Brady. Like, the offense clicked. The Washington secondary is. Good, not great, and when they are cover, when they have to cover elite players, have shown that they're not an elite secondary. Mm-hmm. And when you got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Gronk, and the tight end, the other tight end who is now escaping me because I have my brain memory does not work well sometimes. Um, I mean, that's a good, that's a very good offense. It's like it's a video game offense. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. literally, this is what we were going into the year saying. Like the Tampa Bay offense should be good now. I mean, obviously, the the problems with Mike Evans and, and Tom Brady early on were there. I, it, from all purpose, it looks like they've solved that. Uh, you based on the stat line, yes. Yeah. Well, winning is the band aid of all in sports. Yeah. So, true. 
for this game, there's a lot of headlines we got to remember going into this. I know there was a fair amount of criticism that Tampa Bay got the late game that night, especially sure. facing a sub-500 team, sure. albeit they won their division. And sure. like your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy pointed, were not the rightful heirs to the NFC East throne. Then you hear that Alex Smith was not going to play in this game. Yep. So they were going with a relative unknown. Yep. So if you want to buy into the conspiracy theory, on paper this should have been a complete landslide. But Taylor Hinkey yeah. decided to have the game of his life. And this showed me flashes of Matt Flynn. Ooh. That you brought in somebody that wasn't expected to light up the scoreboard and did, and was going punch for punch with old man Brady. Oh, yeah. So we have to realize this. And he definitely made his mark in the NFL with his running touchdown where oh, yeah. he separated his shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you want to talk about somebody taking full advantage of the opportunity they were given, Hinky was a guy. He ran as much as he could and made himself into a superstar overnight. Albeit, though... The Bucks were built to beat this team. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying they toyed around with them for three quarters because I don't think they did. I think they got caught off guard a little bit by how good this kid was. But at the end of the day... Dude, and real quick, though. Bruce Arenas. Bruce Arians. Arians. Bruce Arians. I'm going to say his name wrong just because he's a dick. <laughs> he's just... He's an asshole. Like, just some of the comments he makes. Like, just even the post game about whether Alex Smith, you know, playing or not playing. Like, I'm just... I'm listening to him. I'm like, the arrogance this guy has. Mm-hmm. Just, ugh. I don't, just a dick. And I just don't know what got into him unless he is just, like we say, buying into hype. Maybe that'll be the underlying episode uh, meaning for this show. I think he is because he looks at what he's got, which, let's face it, that offense is what happens when you go to play the Madden franchise mode or whatever the hell it's called these days because I admittedly haven't played Madden in a few couple years. You know, go into franchise mode and you turn off budgets, you turn on forced trades, and you basically make your dream offense. That's not not unless you're me and you've got Julio Jones by sacrificing a whole bunch of first round picks. You know, yeah. but it's it's one of those offenses that he's getting a little bit of sunshine blown up his butt, where he's like, Oh, look at how great we are, look how awesome we are. And he's walking with that swagger. And he's gotta be careful because it's very good it's very easy to go down that road and then you get knocked off your pedestal. It reminds me of Rex Ryan. That's Dude, but Ryan, but Ryan, at least like it was fun. It was entertaining. Like, he, yeah, he is just like a straight up arrogant bad guy movie. Well, that's the, well that's movie the bad thing, guys. Like that's what he is. Because he's not this guy. We saw him in Arizona, and there right, were, I yeah, liked yeah, him in Arizona. Yeah, he was never like this. So I don't humble, like you know, you wholesome. Like you felt bad for him when everything went down. You know, he gets fired. Everybody's like, oh, how do you fire him? Like what a great coach. And then right. like. Now he shows up in Tampa Bay, gets a little bit of sunlight from the Florida, you know, sun, and he turns into this heel. Yeah. So the only person I think could pull that off and be like a Paul Heyman type would be Belichick because, well, he can back it up. But right. What the what the fuck has Arians done? Arians has nothing. He's living off 45, 54-year-old, whatever it is, Tom Brady. 109. Yeah. He's living off him. He's riding coattails. And that offense, which is finally clicking, which is weird to say, but with the amount of talent he's had on that team, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, O.J. Howard, I think it was the other tight end you were thinking of. Yes, Fournette. thank you. So, Fournette, 
You have all these weapons around you. You should be dropping 30 in your sleep. So Brady should put, be putting up historical numbers. Well, you would think, but let's face it, Father Time has caught up to him more than any other media uh-huh. outlet wants to talk about. He looks old. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the one to say it. His longest uh, pass of the game, completed pass of the game was a 36-yard pass to Antonio Brown. Yeah. He is not the Tom Brady of old. So the fact that you're going through the motions, you've given him every single chance to win, he should be dominating a young kid who literally was playing in the XFL prior to here. Tom Brady, when he had Randy Moss on that team, was le- was Aaron Rodgers' level of lethal from anywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. It, it was As a Patriots fan, it was fun to fucking watch. Now, he's got a d- great receiving core, arguably as good as that 017 017 he had when, when it was Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth. I'll say better. You know, it, it's up there, if not better. Uh, Rand, I mean, Randy, overall, made, Rand, Randy made up for a lot. Yeah, Randy, Randy made, made up yeah, for a lot. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm like... Uh, no, but if you stretch it out with Antonio, Chris, uh, Evans... Fuck Antonio Brown. You all what? still... You know, stat, Chris statistic, Godwin. Statistically, yeah. but with, that, with that offensive weaponry, he should be matching that 07 total he put up, if not beating it, but... He's not because he's getting older. He's getting older and he's conflicting plays with the with his sideline coaches. Like that's the thing. Tampa should be doing a lot better than they are. They should be the number one seed. Oh yeah. They're not. And I don't think that they're gonna fix that because no. obviously they have their toughest task next <laughs> week. To be announced. Yes. But we can tell you right now it's gonna be on History Channel. Yes, which we'll get into that when we come back. But for what we had Saturday night to kick off with we had some good games. I would say two out of three yeah. were, had some storylines to it. One yeah. was an absolute stinker. I mean, I what my favorite aspect of this was is we had three football games mm-hmm. back to back to back that literally finished within a matter of outside of the uh, 4 o'clock to the 8 o'clock game, pretty much finished within 5 to 10 minutes of each other. Yeah. That's perfect. That's yeah. a world I want to live in. The schedule is great on Well, that. I mean, for God's sakes, that's what college football gives you every Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it was lovely. It was flawless. If you wanted to watch the post game, you could. But if you wanted to put on the new game, there it was. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Pat, final thoughts? No, yeah, a great set of games, and I can't wait to talk about the next set. Absolutely. Buffalo, we live to fight another day. So that's my takeaway from it. Tampa Bay and Washington was surprising, and the Rudy-esque story of Taylor Hinkey is something that we'll have to see moving forward next season. I don't know if it's a one-time trick pony here or what, but he made a star and obviously compete with Tom Brady, but at the end of the day, you knew Brady was going to take this one. And for Seattle, they have a lot of work to do, and for the L.A. Rams... You're playing with house money now, so let's see, let's see who you're facing next week. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about Saturday's super wild card weekend? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. 
You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. To go back and to speak The way things really used to be Not the way we remember them To go back and to speak The way things really used to be Not the way we remember them at all Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire You are listening to ODPH The greatest podcast in Binghamton Woo! back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and time to talk about Sunday of Suba wild card weekend so pad kick us off yeah starting off Sunday you had the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans where the Baltimore Ravens emerged victorious by the final score of 22-13 uh, Lamar Jackson 17 of 24 for 179 yards passing and one duck uh, yeah. one interception uh, no touchdowns Ryan Tannehill 18 of 26 for 165 yards passing one touchdown one interception should know uh, Lamar Jackson had 16 carries for 136 yards rushing and one touchdown. Coach, how Derrick Henry do? Uh, hot garbage. Uh, shut mm-hmm. down entirely. 18 carries, 40 yards, no touchdowns. And that is why Baltimore won this game, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you can't. Tennessee's offense. I know uh, Tannehill and the wide receivers have been playing better, but when you limit <laughs> the, the leading rushing uh, 2,000 yard season, 2,000 yard rusher with no Pro Bowl lineman. Yeah, mm-hmm. when when you uh, have that, well, well, that's just egregious. I mean, yeah. obviously, one of their offensive linemen deserved a Pro Bowl spot. They, but yeah, that's, that's that's another story. Yeah, that's near your note. But when you have that stat line for Derrick Henry, that just that already tells me the other team won the game. Well, and I, I'd say it's also a, a situation of second half adjustments because Baltimore did not have Jack. I know they scored ten points in the first half. They did not have Jack all going in that first half. They, they got lucky getting 10 points out of that first half. It was all second-half adjustments. The one takeaway I had with this is Lamar Jackson took the game over because he did what he knows best, used his legs to run for downs because he was getting nothing done otherwise. And it's a smart play to do that he went to his bread and butter. He is a mobile quarterback first and foremost. He does not stay in the pocket, and he when he can run, he can run. Obviously, 16 carries for 136 yards, let alone he did one for I don't know how long. His longest. The, the legendary one. Yo, that run. That was 48 yards. That run was nuts. Yes. Because he literally, I mean, he was going so fast. I mean, I, I can only compare it to Devontae Smith. They're running so fast, it looks slow. Yeah. He, he, that was a situation where he was obviously looking to pass and had nothing going and just took off because, hey, that's his skill set and realized, oh, wait a minute, I can keep going because there was nobody near him. Yeah, like I said, he did what he knows best, and that's to run. And I am not faulting him on this because what he needed to do was he needed to win this game for his legacy. Because if he had lost this one, 
psychologically, you're good for a regular season, but you can't play in the postseason. It's almost the Peyton Manning level. Yeah, it's something that would have haunted him even worse. And I think that this just showed a testament of how much he wanted to win this mm-hmm. one. And especially for Tennessee, who jumped out to that early lead, and I thought it was going to be a wrap after the first quarter. Oh, so did I. Yeah, because they were game for this one. When they were shut, they were shutting Baltimore down. Mm-hmm. They shut down the running style of Baltimore, which is not an easy task to do. No, well, for the first quarter. <laughs> for the first quarter, but Baltimore, being Baltimore, made second half adjustments, and when they finally said Lamar be Lamar, and stop trying to have him be a pocket quarterback, because. He is not one. Let, let's be very honest no, about this. No, He is a running quarterback. You could almost say he's a running back that throws occasionally. <laughs> I mean. You can almost make that that argument. I, I honestly, I think that if they paired him with a little bit better, like if he had a DeAndre Hopkins or a Larry Fitzgerald, that I feel like, because last year he threw the ball really well. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I yeah. Uh, last year it was arm first, leg second. Mm-hmm. This year it's been arms only, you know, arm only. Yeah, because you know, and they've kind of, but that's also what teams have been doing. Right. But really, um, that Giants game, you know, I really feel like they found a groove offensively that you know now is yeah, it's scary. It's scary, but they're that's the one thing that Baltimore was doing in the beginning of the season is they were trying to make him a pocket quarterback. And let's face it, he's not. This no. is not a slight. When I'm saying this about him. I know that he gets a lot of heat for running, but he's winning games. Right. But that only gets you so far in the NFL because we have seen this from other mobile quarterbacks. Except if you're Steve Young. Right. Which you all, but he wound up converting to a pocket quarterback. He still ran. He still ran, but not as much as he used to. Right. But Lamar Jackson isn't the type that's going to stay in the pocket, go through his progressions, and then decided to take off. He's going to go look at one or two guys, shit they're they're not open, and go, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. That's all he needs. Right. Every passing thing should be for the for Baltimore. Honestly, should be one progression one, then two, a check down, and then out. Yeah. That should be that should be their offense because the problem is is when you have these four to five progression routes, he has too much to look at, and by the time he can analyze and look at all that, the 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 pass rushes on him. Yeah, and then the pockets you know collapsing, and there's nowhere for him to go. That's why it should be one two. Check and release, go. And when they started doing that in that second half, that's when they took the game over. Yeah. And for Tennessee, once Derrick Henry was taken out of the equation, which give credit to Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Because they gave a blueprint of how to stop Derrick Henry. Well, now, they did that last year. They did it last year. Yeah. It's always it's always been kind of that kryptonite. But they're showing teams of how you do this. So when it now came down to Ryan Tannehill trying to beat Baltimore, he struggled. But he did not have his A-game receivers, though, too. No, he only had A.J. Brown, who had six catches, 83 yards, one touchdown. Right. He had other guys, but that was, you know, the notable one. Exactly. He did not have his A-list lineup. He may do with what he had. And you could say the one interception, the guy slipped, too, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that, yeah. But he was trying to force too much because he knew the gravity of the situation. When Baltimore took that lead back, then they knew, okay, we're in trouble. And like I said, once Lamar started running, you now add that other dynamic to your team that Tennessee just did not react quick enough to. Well, I mean, here's the other problem, too. Fourth and two, plus yeah. yardage on the 40-yard line. You're down seven. Should have gone. And you kick a punt that you down at the 15. So it's a net of 30 yards. Mm-hmm. What did you What did you get from that? Yeah, Nothing. Because 
I mean, th- and the, the egregious thing to me is, Mike, you know, Vrabel is smart of a head coach as he is. Mm-hmm. You Not only do you have Derrick Henry in your backfield. Now, I know, you know, signs point to them being able to stop him because that's what they've been doing all game. But if you can't trust Derrick Henry to get you two yards, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Not only that, agree when not, he's averaging 2.2 for the game. Not only that, but if you don't think that Baltimore's thinking, all right, they're going to go all in, you know, big boys, you know, they're going to big trust us. You know, they're going to put all the big package in and they're going to run this right up the gut. We need to focus on, you know, the A-gaps. Let's stop that. And a little naked boot by Ryan, yeah. Ryan Tannehill would have been wide open. So point A and point B. And then you punt. Right? Mm-hmm. What's Baltimore been doing to you all game? Running crazy. Running the ball. Yeah. What does running the ball do? Keeps the clock going. Mm-hmm. They took six minutes off the the game clock. Then you get the ball back with, I don't know, probably like three or four minutes left to go in the game. You can't run the ball anymore because you don't have enough time. You don't have the, you got to stop the clock. Right. And now you're relying on Ryan Tannehill more. Yeah. That's just bad. That's bad game management gut decisions. Fully agree, and especially for Vrabel, because Vrabel, let's not forget, when he had the chance to knock out the Patriots, everybody thought he was crazy for going for that goal line push. And what happened? He knocked them out. So why were you scared to go for it on fourth and two? And I fully agree with you as well. I don't care if Derrick Henry has 40 yards or four yards. He's still Derrick Henry. Right. Give him the ball on fourth down and two yards, or, like you said, run the screen and let Tannehill go. This the, This is what... Uh, I like it. when I think about when I re- look back at the Giants season, like there was opportunities, like especially like last season, there was opportunities where they just couldn't trust the offensive line mm-hmm. and the running backs to get them a yard. Yeah, I mean that's then punt, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you have a uh, MVP caliber running back and an offensive line that shows when the nitty gritty gets tough that they'll they'll push, you have to. Yeah, you don't have a choice, and that's where they fell. And for Tennessee, this was a bad loss. Yeah. This was completely a bad loss. This was a game they should have been able to win, but Lamar Jackson took this over. So he had his breakout performance, albeit, though, he went back to basics, which you can argue if Baltimore just let him do all season, they'd probably have been in better standings. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. arguably. I mean, one could say. Well, that's but that's the thing, though, is that the year before they play, I mean, they played Tennessee in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And what Tennessee do? Yeah, absolutely dismantled them playing this ball. So they, I mean, I don't know what their game plan defensively was. Whether they were like, all right, we're you know we're worried about Lamar Jackson throwing the ball, or whatever it was. But like, I I, I don't know what they were thinking because like, if you look back at the game tape last year, it's like, all right, we gotta make sure that we limit the we we need to make sure. Well, actually. The X factor was Derrick Henry just couldn't get off like he did last year. He could they let Lamar Jackson run all over them. They were inviting him to. Yeah. Because it kept the game clock moving. Well, that was the thing. When you have a third runner for Baltimore going in there now, right. it's a whole different dynamic, and they never adjusted. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins played well, too. Yeah, Dobbins played good, and like I say, they never adjusted for Lamar Jackson. So he was picking up on this. My, my other favorite thing from this game was... Uh, Des Bryant getting a personal foul after uh, on that to end the second half. Yeah. They, Baltimore gets uh, gets the punt. 
Uh, you know, make a couple plays. It's like a third and two. And then Des Bryant gets his personal foul. And then they pull him off the game. And Jim Harbaugh just like, dude, I, I'm just go to the locker room. Like, yeah. just go. Like, you're cut now. Just go. Like, I thought that was really – I got a chuckle out of that Baltimore interaction. Had, Baltimore had so much swag going on for this. And, and they, the fact they took that team penalty when they all jumped on the 50-yard line logo. Well, but they were payback's a bitch. I know. They were motivated. It was ridiculous. But when you win a game like that, and now they have one of the more quieter rivalries starting up, and I love seeing these two oh, yeah. face face each other. Yeah. Dude, when two teams legitimately hate each other, yeah. it's so much fun. Well, and it goes back to their playoff game last year. When right. Baltimore went in with all the swagger, got embarrassed, and came back, and you had the nonsense week 11 this year. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Legitimately, like, I miss... I was like somebody, uh, one of my Facebook people, like posted like, "What's an a legitimate NFL rival outside of the division, or in or outside the division?" But he was like, you know, he emphasized the outside the division. And I was like, God, there's really not much, you know, in a day no. and age where so many people are like, you know, cool with each other and friends and stuff. That I there, but this is that, you know, yeah, like, this is. I think that's what's fun about the NFL. Like in the NBA, like as much as like the Knicks play the Nets tomorrow. Mm-hmm. As much as we, you know, as Knicks fans want to be like, no, fuck the Nets. Like, at the end of the day, you know, KD's going to go back and probably give daps to Mitchell Robinson. They're probably going to go have dinner together or whatever. Like, you know, they're, like, they're all friends at the end. Like, there's no real heated rivalries among most of the players. But in the NFL, like, outside of, like, your your circle, there's a lot of heated rivalries. I mean, Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey, literally, uh, Golden Tate looked for him after the game. Like, I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't love it at the time because, like, you know, focus on the game. But, like, I miss the rivalries. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what always makes sports fun. Sure. Especially uh, when you, College. When, yeah, which, yeah, when you can have those rivalries, they just elevate a game up that much more. And especially for, I don't, there's no such thing as a meaningless playoff game. Ups the ante. But, yeah, it gives a little more drama to it. And especially for this, this had so much of a storyline on it, you were almost thinking you're watching a soap opera. <laughs> because they had so much back and forth emotion but the end of the day, Baltimore pulls off the upset. And, and for- see, you know where it stems from? The coaches. Yeah. Like, Vrabel is a hard-nosed, tough, badass guy. And Harbaugh is just known for also being the same type of character. Yeah. So, like, but a little more outspoken. Yeah. So, it's just fun. It's fun. It meshed well. And, like I say, Tennessee is going to go home. They're going to be back in it next year. So, if anybody's, like, writing them off, it's like, no, they just got to make a couple adjustments on defense. Yeah, and- they got, yeah. I mean, I not... The Clowney signing just didn't land, no, which was a huge problem because they had no pass rush, and letting Logan Ryan go, yeah, for free was a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Now I know that they wanted him to play corner and he, you know, does, wanted to play safety, um, but damn, you know, they, losing him was a Crucial. blessing for the Giants because they signed him to extension. Yeah, so, so thank you. <laughs> so Tennessee, like I said, they'll be back. Baltimore's got a date with the Bills at Rich Stadium, eight p.m. Saturday night. But let's see who else is going to be dancing next weekend. Uh, next up, you had the New Orleans Saints taking on the Chicago Bears, uh, where New Orleans won by the final score of twenty-one to nine. Don't even count that nine; it was twenty to six uh, or twenty-three. Drew Brees, twenty-eight of thirty-nine for two hundred and sixty-five yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Mitchell Trubisky, nineteen of twenty-nine for one hundred and ninety-nine yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Can we also give a shout out to Nickelodeon? And yeah, the coverage. Yeah, that was sure awesome. amazing. Well, what other? You missed the award that Mitch Trubisky won. Oh, yeah. The MVP. Yeah. The Nickelodeon valuable the, the, player. Yeah. Um, we can move on from this game. Yeah. There really wasn't anything to talk no. about. This is just straight up New Orleans came in 
and was New Orleans. Chicago, I'm sorry, you got exposed. So you exposed. Could. They were they were bad all year. They they uh, Chicago went into this game and they are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. A bad football team. Yeah. They haven't been good all year, but for everybody that was hyping them up and saying, oh, they're really a playoff team. No, they're not. Oh, I mean, they earned their way there. Yeah, they earned it by default, but they still got there. Sure. So the fact you came in and you you did this turd of a performance, (laughs) and that's putting it mildly. I mean, Trubisky, not not even 200 yards passing. Hey, say something nice about him. He's an MVP. uh, He he took slime very well. I don't know. There you go. Sure. Uh, he had a great pass to Jimmy Graham to end the game. Yeah, which you know, good for Jimmy Graham uh, scoring that touchdown to finish. Possibly, you know, the, uh, might walk off, be the walk off for his career, mm-hmm. scoring his last touchdown in New Orleans. Call, talk about serendipity. Full circle. Yeah. 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 The only reason Chicago even got in the playoffs is because of the expanded playoff field. Mm-hmm. And you know, Giants just had to go six and ten. Yes. Oh yeah. They showed it, but the major takeaway is New Orleans is ready for next week. I miss the Giants. I got to stop talking about them. I miss them so much. You're, you're gonna be like John Cusack in, in High Fidelity, <laughs> holding up the boombox or say anything. It's so hard. Say I can't you, stop talking about them. Say me. All right, no more. I'm not say gonna it. talk about them again. All right, fuck them. But New Orleans, they're ready to go. Devontae and, and, Smith. And now we have the big game with Tom Tom Brady next week. It's going to be a fun one. It's on History Channel. Yes, it is, because both starting quarterbacks are, what, 85? Uh, yeah, combined. Something like that. So we'll definitely be tuned in for that. Who one. do you think can throw further, Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers? Drew Brees. Brees. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I think. I mean, we saw Phillip Rivers can throw it 38 and a half yards. Drew Brees, I don't, Drew I don't Brees remember the last time Drew Brees threw it further than that. Drew Brees, and it's not even close by like 10, 15 yards. I had, yeah. When's the last time you saw him throw that for? How long did Michael Thomas be out this season? Oh, Michael Thomas has run slants. You heard Michael Thomas himself. Yeah. He's a slant man now. He's <laughs> he's recalibrated blah, himself. Blah. He's the slant man. He, blah, he, blah. That's what he said. He recalibrated himself, so now he knows how to run slants. Sure. Yeah. Sure. He's not DK that. Metcalf who can only run run out one run out. Yo, can you imagine Breeze with Metcalf? No. No, because he couldn't throw him. Exactly. <laughs> he couldn't exactly. throw the ball to him. Metcalf would run down the field and have to come back to go get the ball. Yeah, that DK Metcalf would run the fly. The ball would still be in the air, and he would run back underneath it. Yeah. I could only imagine. It would Thomas. be like that Bugs Bunny thing where he would play himself. Or Sonic. Sonic most recently no, for yeah. you young kids out there. And now, uh, I got, now I got that song stuck in my head, the Scat Man, but now it's the Slant welcome. Man. Yep. Uh, Breeze's longest pass of Trademark. the year. Breeze's longest pass, of the year, longest pass of the year was a 52-yard pass he completed on the 9th of or excuse me, the 27th of September, where it was 52 yards. Well, what was the yak on that? Was it a 30-yard pass with 22 a yak? Listen, I can't get that in touch. All right. Well, this is Statman. This is important stuff here. You can't just Uh, throw out 52-yard passes and not know the yak. Uh, I'm looking it up. He's he's trying to make sure it's not a typo. All right. Well, I'm just saying, like, we need to know the yak. Oh, Pat's going to look at the yak. Was it Alvin Kamara, too? I'm, I'm, listen, I'm looking. If it, it was Alvin Kamara, then it was a screen, and I win. Yeah, 
Well, he's he's checking that up right now. So we'll <laughs> even go to the next game. Which oh, don't do, he's got to compute this real quick. Well, no, Let him calculate. We'll, we'll, we'll come back. To all, that. Right, all right, yeah, all right, we'll come back. So the final game of the night was between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, uh, where Cleveland won by the final score of forty-eight to thirty-seven. Uh, Baker Mayfield twenty-one of thirty-four for two hundred and sixty-three yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger, 47 of, holy fucking shit, 60, <laughs> 47 to 68 Yep, for 501 yards. That is a real stat. Four touchdowns, four interceptions. Hey, I just want to thank the Pittsburgh Steelers for spotting Cleveland 28 points while they're missing their head coach, defensive coordinator, and what, their special teams coach or, yeah, so or, their, off, or their other coach? Let they're us missing talk another about this. Okay, let's talk. So... This game was put on in prime time, and Cleveland had this wonderful video package. If you want to talk about the the ultimate underdog story the Bills had. Illustrated by their number one fan all of a sudden, Mr. LeBron James. Yeah. Oh, no, that was the Ohio State one. I'm sorry. Yeah. He did that for Ohio State. He did it for Ohio State. Not no, the Browns, because no. he's a Cowboy fan. Exactly. Right. Well Don't noted. Forget. Well noted right. Cowboy fan. Not so. a Brown fan. Nope. Cowboy fan. Cowboy fan. Yes. No, they took this where they're talking with uh, citizens of Cleveland and, you know, talking about the, the struggles of the Browns. And, like, listen, my, my dad, God bless his soul, was a Browns fan, true and true. I saw the fumble. Yeah, tough, the drive, tough, tough. Like, with a, yeah. So, I understand the plight of Cleveland. You had Bill, you had Belichick. Yep. Yep. I mean, obviously, with Art Modell moving the team, you know, to Baltimore. Sure. A lot of gone. stuff. They, they have had their drama, to say the least. And to get to the playoffs where they have been respectful, and let's say, obviously, the past couple of years, there's been a lot of hype behind them. We had them go into the playoffs last year. They didn't do it because, obviously, Freddie Kitchens not, not the guy. No, he's not. Still not. Still Just not. update. Mm-hmm. Confirm. Nothing, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. He is who we thought he is. Yes. So for the Browns to do as well as they did this season has been a remarkable story to say the least. It looks like on paper they finally got it together. And like I said, going into Sunday night, there's this wonderful video package really selling the story of the underdog tale. You had the head coach was out with COVID-related issues. You had multiple players and coaches also out of the game. Uh, Cleveland didn't practice all week. Mm -hmm. You had all of these storylines going into the game, especially for an 8 o'clock game. And we have always said the needle moves for Sunday night football. Whoever is on that game, that is the one everybody is talking about because there are so many eyes on there. It's the most watched television program on network TV, probably streaming too if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty. I don't have time for that. Going into this game, have we ever seen... Pittsburgh, the historic Steelers, 11-0 to start the season, come out this flat. Dude, not only flat, but just making bad decisions. Top to bottom. Uh huh. I mean, Mike Pouncey, a longtime Pro Bowl center. Yes. One of the probably best centers to come through in the NFL in the last 15 years, up there with Nick Mangold. Yes. You know, as far as being like – a great center. One of the greatest Jets of all time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Short list. Yeah, well, I mean, centers don't get a lot of praise, so to even know a center is pretty goddamn good, you mm-hmm. know? And um, to throw that, to have that snap go over Ben's head. First play of the game, First too. play of the game. When you, how many shotgun snaps have you sent this year alone? Because Big Ben can't get under center anymore because mm-hmm. he can't fucking move. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, then they have the snap go over his head on the first snap of the game of a home playoff game in a playoff situation that you've probably faced throughout your career. Yikes. It's as routine as is in baseball when the first baseman gets the ground ball and he's got to toss it to the pitcher covering first base. They practice it all goddamn year. It's the first thing they practice when they get to, you know, when the, you know, the rest of the players, not pitchers, report to camp. They practice it all goddamn year because they know how much it's going to come up. It is something that it's the bread and butter of the center's job. Like, so it, it's not something that, like, oh, I'm not used to doing. Dude, you do this. This is what you are paid to do. Exactly. For the first play of the game for Pouncey, who this was out of nowhere on the anybody's radar for, one, throwing that ball 20 feet over Ben's head, which should be like a reflex. You shouldn't even have to think about it. Right. At this point, no. Yes. <laughs> then let alone the next three series where Pittsburgh's offensive line got manhandled. Right. And that is an understatement. To understand the gravity of the situation – at one point, they were showing they had Miles Garrett triple covered because he was tearing right through them, and they had to call in their extra tight end just for more blocking. So this is what I I did not understand about this team. So NBC, their broadcast, they always show the Pro Football Focus rankings of yeah, these yeah, players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their entire offensive line is top twenty-five. Yes. Through and th- 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 left tackle to right tackle, top twenty-five for each position. You might want to reassess that. And you know, you see Charlie Villanueva. You know, uh, God, I just said his name. Pouncey. See, this is a t- Pouncey. Uh, their right guard, their left guard, right tackle. You know, all all uh, players that you know are of elite caliber. Mm-hmm. And to come out with this performance, Villanueva, Matt Filer, Marcus yeah. Pouncey, David DeCastro, and then David DeCastro is a longtime Pro Bowl right guard. Chuck Wuma Okorafor? Okorafor? Sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, bless you. He, um, you know, they they all were an elite offensive line. And then all of a sudden, like, and I mean, I had James Conner on fantasy, so, like, I watched Pittsburgh closely. Mm. Like, you know, James Conner was hot to start the year, uh, got hurt. Tony Snell came in. He got hot. Like, they were able to run the ball. And then all of a sudden, the Dallas game happened, and it was like they couldn't run the ball anymore. Like, I'm watching this game, and I'm like, dude, I just need James Conner to get a first down, yeah. let alone, like, a touchdown. Like, just get uh, 10 yards on 10 carries. I don't give a shit. Just get 10 yards. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. And I don't understand – I mean, I think part of it is, like, you know, they had to switch because, again, Ben Roethlisberger, people... He's old. ...cannot physically move. Yeah, it's a wrap. Like, he... I mean, for you to have to go to shotgun snaps because your your quarterback is not physically able to take a snap under center to get a handoff to your running back is a problem. You know, and it, that's what yeah. this happened. That's what happened here. Yeah, I mean, it's a case of he's 38 years old. You know, he'll turn 39 here in March, but he's got the body of like a 50 or 60 year old. You know, and I'm Dude. and I'm just looking at the I'm just looking at the play the play by play. Of course, we know the first possession was a fumble. Uh, then they came back interception. Uh, as Cleveland scored a touchdown to make it 14 nothing. Then they came out three and out for a punt. 
then they had Cleveland scored another touch, came and scored another touchdown. Uh, Pittsburgh came back, another interception, uh, which then let Cleveland score another touchdown to make it 28 to nothing. Uh, Pittsburgh came out, uh, got a call, got a first down, ran 11 plays, but then punted. Uh, Cleveland came back, hey, congratulations, Pittsburgh defense, you held them up, you know, punt. Uh, but then Pittsburgh came back, interception, Cleveland punt, and hey, Pittsburgh, you scored a touchdown, but it wasn't until late in that first half. And oh, hey, by the way, at this point, it's 28 to 7. Yeah. Pittsburgh got punched in the mouth. This was role reversal. In the fullest definition of it. And, well, the other thing that you didn't mention, too, when you were talking about the lovely package, uh, video package that Cleveland did. Oh, Schuster Smith? Schuster Smith. I mean. Smith Schuster, I'm sorry. Yeah, just shut the fuck up. Yeah, the fact fact that he got out there and said, well, the Browns are the Browns. And you're like, I can understand having trash talk. Listen, I get that. Sure. Like, you didn't learn your lesson from the the dancing on the, the, The uh, the logos. Then you had like three straight games of quotes, mm-hmm. and then you finalize it with this. Like I'm all for players. Like I don't, I don't mean it in the sense of like, oh, he doesn't want players. Like no, like have your fun, talk your game, like do whatever. But when you are having the performances that you had to end the year, the last five weeks of the season, which have been abysmal. Deontay Washington couldn't catch a pass, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't catch a cold. You know. Then you have uh, Smith Schuster. Unable to catch passes and also getting blasted on <laughs> catches over the middle. Yeah. Chase Claypool was non-existent until that touchdown the last five weeks of the season. Like, just shh. You, you don't have, say anything. You have nothing to talk about. You, you can't. You cannot act like you know. Like if it was like you know a guy coming off of like a Pro Bowl game, and you're like, yeah, we. I know we can handle Cleveland, but you like won the last. Like if Balt- if Marquise Brown of Baltimore came out and said that, I'd be like, yikes, you haven't played very well. But all right, like right. you guys are winning, right. sure. Yeah. But like you limped into this. You played terrible going into it, specifically you. And then you come out and you twerp like like you 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 tweet yeah. you, you yeah. talk. I this is to me is another case of Tomlin just can't control the locker room. You with everything that's gone on in the past. Yeah, he's a great coach. Yes, he's very respected with that team and in the NFL and in front offices. But I think it's just a case of he couldn't control the locker room because let's rewind the clock a little bit. They beat Baltimore nineteen to fourteen. They're eleven and zero. They're the hottest shit since sliced bread. And I'm sitting here being a fan of, of the last team to go undefeated in the regular season going, we'll see. This ain't easy. That's why not everybody can do it unless you're playing Madden. You know, it's not easy to do. There's going to be a couple. If they do it, there's going to be a couple scares. There's going to be a couple games where it's a late touchdown to get them. And then they come out and they lose to Washington. And then they lose to Buffalo. And then they lose to Cincinnati, which, remember, at that point, they don't have Joe Burrows. Right. So this, this is a this is a vastly different Cincinnati team than the one they, they beat 36-10 to 10 back in November. Mm-hmm. And then they they win against Indianapolis, which, congratulations, you, you're going to squeak one out there, but then you lose to a hungry Cleveland team. This was not the same Pittsburgh team that you saw at the start of the season. And I know they had injuries. Losing Bud Dupree was obviously a huge oh, loss. Oh, it's huge. Huge loss for them on defense because all of a sudden, who the hell do you guard? Bud, do, do you double cover? Bud Dupree or TJ Watt? Good fucking luck because mm. either way, you double cover one, the other one's coming down your throat. All of a sudden, you don't have Bud Dupree. Oh, well, shit, we know who to double cover now. You know, it's just a case of Tomlin loss against Washington and Buffalo. Okay, sure, I can see that. Should have clamped that shit down then. Well, the one I thing, mean, you, that's actually not 
not valid. I mean, God, you can go all the way back to Le'Veon Bell. Oh no, those issues. No, that's what I'm saying. It's a continuation of that. And then Antonio Brown and all of his stuff. The locker room. Uh, it was it was Juju Smith-Schuster with the phone. No, the locker room. Right. That's my point, though. Is that he's a very respected coach. He's a good coach. Look at the track record and look at the record. Right. But he just can't control the locker room, and it gets away from him. He can't control the locker room, but what they do better than anybody, and this is Pittsburgh, is they'll hit the reset quick. Sure, and that's the one thing that I don't think Smith Schuster is back next season. I think he's a free agent anyway. If I will I'm, look it if up. I'm not yeah. mistaken. I mean, but he's gone, and I, I think the one thing that I would be worried about if I was Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool was running his mouth after the game. Yeah, but he's been kind of chirping all year. Listen, yeah, I know. All right, all right. All I mean, right. I don't know. He's learning at Notre simmer Dame. Simmer down, simmer down. Yes, he, Pad, you have your hand raised. You are correct. Juju is a free agent after this year. Okay. Simmer down on the Claypool stuff. Okay? Okay? We'll address that when it becomes a problem. He wasn't dancing on, uh, you know, logos and stuff yet. Okay? He wasn't getting his phone out, you know, twatting. on. So simmer down on Claypool. Okay? Okay. It's just something to keep an eye on. No, what I would like to keep an eye on is Ben Roethlisberger and the offseason. Because gone. What is? I mean, he he has to retire. The final shot of him and oh, there was tough. some notable Steelers that did not shake hands, acknowledge the Browns. They sat on the benches. The final shot of Roethlisberger sitting on the bench after the game, dejected. That, that was is tough. the new crying Jordan. Yeah, I saw your. Yeah, yeah. that is it, it. Is that he looked defeated? And I understand. Okay, you just lost a game. No, there is something when a game mentally breaks you. That was like you lose the Super Bowl, the World Series level of defeated. Yeah, because I think what he knew in the back of his head is I'm 38 years old. This is it. My body is that of a 58-year-old's because he's taken more pounding over the se- over the years oh, yeah. than arguably – any other quarterback currently playing in the league? He's bet for I've had Arguably. him. Yeah. I've had him in fantasy a couple of years, not this year, but there's a couple of years where it's like, all right, he's a decent quarterback. He's not going to put up huge numbers, but he's a he's a good quarterback. Mm. That last year I was like, as bad as it was, and he had a couple injuries. I think it was. And I was just like, I need to get rid of him because this is a liability. Ready, ready. Let me give you a name. Ready, Matt Stafford. He'd be perfect yeah. for yeah. there. Boom. He'd be uh, plug and play if if he can get out of Detroit. Yeah, I mean, listen, I. I think Detroit's going to retool everything going into this offseason anyway. So I'm weird. just saying, like, if I – because I, I, don't, I don't think Pittsburgh will sacrifice the first pick that they have to chase after Deshaun Watson. And I don't blame them for not doing it because they just traded their first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. So mm. I think the smart move to do, trade like a third or a fourth that they probably ask in Detroit and go after Stafford. Stafford does have an out uh, after this year. I would fully well, then do then there you go. No, I would fully do it if I'm Pittsburgh and if Detroit. It's a lot to give up your franchise guy because yeah, he's, but he's, he's put Michigan on the back for so many years. Dude, he's got – they. Detroit needs to just – I mean, I honestly, I think this is going to be a strip down and rebuild. 
It would be smart too, and I think for Pittsburgh, they're going to need to. Well, well, and but well, no, Detroit. I'm saying it's yeah, going to yeah, be a no, complete no, no, retool. But, I'm, I'm, but with Pittsburgh, though, what they can do with Stafford is they can plug and play. Oh yeah, know? he could go right in there first day and he'll be fine. Right, and especially he's got Claypool because I don't think Smith Schuster's coming back. I think he's long gone. Because I think I think if somebody's if if somebody offers him big dollars and Pittsburgh's not willing to match, yeah, he's gone. Oh, I think he's yeah. I think he's gone regardless because I think that as you brought up uh, with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Pittsburgh hits that reset button, mm-hmm. and they are willing to get rid of people without bringing them back if they be, if they feel their character issues. Well, and they're also willing to get rid of them when they know they have said replacement. Yeah, we yeah. see with Plaxico Burris. Plaxico Burris to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown to Schmu- to Schuster. 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 Claypool, yeah, you know, like Claypool's just got to get rid of that stuff he learned in college. Yeah, I mean, if he gets rid of that Notre Dame way, uh, listen, that Notre Dame way goes on special teams. Okay, yeah, uh, let's just talk about that. Well, how often do you see your number one wide receiver chasing down people on kickoff return? Well, will that change? We don't know. Well, it might. But, yeah, it has to. If you're <laughs> number one, yeah, if he if he ends up, you know, and obviously Deontay Washington's a fine wide receiver too. Yeah. I mean, Eric Ebron, like they've got pieces. The offensive line is a top twenty-five pro fantasy pro football talk. Your pro football focused thing. Asterisk. Yeah, but, yeah. But like for, I but mean, for, but for everything that happened in this game, they definitely weren't, and they yeah. showed it. And for Cleveland, take nothing away. They stepped up. They wanted that underdog role. Like I say, it was almost too storybook-esque for my liking, but it is what and it is. You know what, though? Enjoy this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. City of Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Re- rejoice. I know that you have Kansas City coming up. Hey. And and listen, Kansas City, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you, Cleveland. I know that you're happy and you're thinking, hey, we have a chance. Don't worry about it. Enjoy this win. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about Kansas City. The line's only done. Don't worry about Kansas City. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. And then when Sunday's said and done, go back to it and relive this game. Relive the Pittsburgh game. Don't worry about the Kansas City game because I don't think it's going to go your way. Also, let's face it, this game against Pittsburgh is what's going to sustain Cleveland for like the next 25 exactly. years. Exactly. Oh, yeah, this is their Super Bowl. This is all you needed. Enjoy it. The fact they exercised Enjoy some, de- some demons out in this one. Baker yep. Mayfield looked great, which you don't say often. No. And the whole team looked great. The law firm looked great, too. Yeah. So that all coming together, Cleveland will give Kansas City – a challenge. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they'll at least have the challenge. If but um, their starting corners come back, that will help. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But if they're still out, this listen, Kansas City's wide receivers aren't going to drop passes. Oh, I and I, Patrick Mahomes is not going to miss a ball snapped over his head by 20 yards because he's just going to run and go get it. The fairy tale <laughs> is going to be over. But for this week, Cleveland, enjoy it. Like celebrate. Coach said. Unlock the beer coolers in well, the town. Have at it. Well said again, my coach. Yeah. Well said again. Uh, to answer your question about the Drew Brees pass, uh, it was a screen pass. I had to look up the. I had to look look up the highlight on YouTube. It was a screen pass to Alvin Kamara that he ran for fifty two yards. Boom. So many highlights. Boom. That you can just take away from this weekend. It was a great way to start the NFL playoffs. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about Super Wild Card Weekend 
in general. We want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Strikes My Fancy, the discussion-based podcast about everything that, well, you guessed it, strikes my fancy. Every Friday, I bring a guest to the table to talk about something new and interesting from craziest fandom theories to mental health awareness and every little thing in between. No topic is off limits. Send your topic ideas to strikesmyfancypodcast at gmail.com or drop me a line and let me know you want to be on the show. So tell me, what strikes your fancy? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for another segment here on the ODPH podcast. And now it's time to talk a little NBA and some basketball. Basketball. Oh, boy. So this one, Coach Duffy has to address and has to really bring some light to a situation going on with a team in New York. But, no, it's not our beloved Knicks. Because they are letting me down right now. Well, you know we were (laughs) going to go in waves. tough stretch. Yeah, it's a tough Tough stretch. It's a tough stretch for the Knicks. Well, I mean, I came on the show last week, and I said how all-in I am on this team. And then since that point... They've gone like one and three. Hopefully, you're not the kiss of death. I'm not though because they no, they're not one and three because at that point they had won four out of five. Yes. So we knew they were going to be. Maybe I am. Yikes. Well, anyway, I hope I'm not. I hope I didn't jinx them. So that's why we're bringing some jinx. Two. Well, tomorrow night, ironically, they play the Nets, who will be without. Take a guess, guys. Katie. Kyrie Irving. I was going to say Jason Kidd. So. Wow, on, dude. Pat is going for the heel heat this week. Man. Richard Jefferson? Wow. Uh, uh, Vince Carter? Wow. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wrong team. Dude, wow. I actually uh, – there's a very funny story on the three of them that was on uh, Sports Nation that people should look. It's great. Um. Anyway. Yes. Uh, <laughs> great Nets teams, those teams, Pat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Um. Jason Kidd, my all-time – my favorite player, they're by from, the way. They're from New Jersey. That's why. Right. But Jason Kidd – my favorite player, but we're not talking about that net point guard. We're talking about the current net point guard, or at least he is kind of the current lack, net point guard. Lack thereof. Um, so right Kyrie now. Irving uh, last week missed uh, a slate of games, which the Nets released in a press release um, stating that he was missing uh, due to personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Happens. Sure. You know, I mean, not in the 90s, but, you know, now in today's day and age of basketball. Well, especially with the pandemic going on. And, sure. And Lord knows what's going on. Yeah. Right. But, but some videos surfaced today. Uh, cracked teams on the interweb uh, found videos of Kyrie Irving potentially at a nightclub recently. Now, this isn't the James Harden story where this turns out these videos were uh, during the offseason. These videos were recent, and it is Kyrie Irving in a nightclub celebrating a birthday, um, having a party with friends. Um, now the video, um, is right now to be speculative, to mm-hmm. be fair, Yes, sure. you know, I sure. mean, allegedly, um, but it is enough for the NBA to be investigating this. Now, the, the reason why this is so big is because if it is find out that, you know, Kyrie did violate protocol, not only is it going to cost him some serious coin, but it is going to cause a huge breakdown with the NBA. 
Well, I, the other thing that makes it so suspect is uh, it was reported by the New York Post uh, last week as to the reason he was absent. Uh, the Nets that thus far have been kind of mums the word, not really saying, just uh, we'll, we'll let him address it when he wants to. Uh, the reported reason is that he, uh, and I'm reading directly from the New York Post article, uh, quote, a source familiar with the situation told the Post that Irving is fine physically, but was upset by the attack on the U.S. Capitol in Washington uh, last week. So, yeah, I, one plus one ain't, ain't equal in two in this situation. Now, if it is the case that he is upset about what happened in Washington, which we've made our thoughts on that whole situation on social media before, we're not going to get into it. Mm. You know, if that is the case, I understand that. I, sure. I, I can get that. And Kyrie's been one of the most vocal players as far as the bubble. Sure. And when that was all going last sure. year. Right. You know, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement sure. and, and his opinion, you know, so he's been very vocal uh, on that and to his right, you know? Sure. No, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things I like with the NBA is when they feel passionately about something, they do something about it. They're very they're very quick to act. And mm-hmm. they respect the player's opinion on that act. Yes. yes. I mean, look at what happened in the in the bubble with the playoffs last year where you had the situation going on in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The NBA players said, you know what, we ain't playing because of this, and they shut down an entire day of playoff games. Yeah, yeah. As Kyrie Irving, who I believe is still the president of the NBA Players Association, if not one of the I two. believe he's the, I believe LeBron is the head and okay. he's the vice. Okay, so he's still high up in there. If you really are upset about what took place last week, do something about it. You know, we're sitting here almost a week removed, and mum's the word. He hasn't said a thing. The team isn't really saying what's going on. The only thing we have to go on is this video that came out Monday as we record of him out at a nightclub partying and and celebrating a birthday, which not the greatest look. Yeah. The scary thing about this is we are still living in the C-19 era. Oh, yeah. So nobody wearing a mask in that video. Exactly. And obviously, if Kyrie is taking time off for the social issues, okay, that's one one thing. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to fault you about that. and, And that is your choice to do. What I am going to fault, though, is with what is going on with the C-19 era of sports right now to be basically ignoring protocols. Mm -hmm. That's the big issue. You know, this story is, you know, the video is not helping the NBA where they've had to postpone, what is it, two games in 48 hours. I know there was a game game last night or two nights ago that was supposed to be played, but they postponed it because of C-19. And then there was a game that was supposed to be played tonight that has been postponed because of C-19. So, And, and this is with the play, Players Association and the NBA getting together and changing their protocols a little bit. Well, I mean, if I will, and I might take the unpopular stance on this. Sure. You have a job. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're oh, yeah. getting paid to play basketball. Like, I understand that, you know, it is a billion dollar company and oh, yeah. you know you are a, a player and and all that stuff but like you signed a contract that stated you would play in these games right. unless unable to and i mean the last i checked but like us common folk can't just up and call our employer and say i'm not coming in today because of my reasons well i mean we can but just we're not around for long well well exactly and i mean i just that that's my problem with this like yeah, and taking what the Nets said away, because if that is the case, then fine. But like the the with the video surfacing and the fact that it was not like nobody's actually came out and held a press conference and just said like this is the reason why. Like you have teammates that 
you are, you know, respond like you are yeah. a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I put in my 11 year old daughter, like, you know, and this is the way that I grew up too. You know, your teammates count on you to be there. That is mm-hmm. why you are a team, you know? So when you have practices, when you have games, when you have meetings, like those are all things that you are responsible for being at. And, you know, especially being the face of the organization, that is on you to be there. Um, and I mean, that's what I tell, you know, when my 11 year old, you know, might not be in the mood to go to a softball practice, you know, well, live, you're part of this team and you need to be there. Like, this is your responsibility and you cannot let your teammates down and, you know, to sign million dollars of contracts and just up and say, I don't feel like playing, I think is a little irresponsible. Yeah. And I mean, I know that might be the, you know, unpopular opinion. And I've seen, you know, some takes on Twitter, you know, commenting, being like, well, it's his right. It's not, though. He has a contract that states he has to play in games. I, I, I mean, I don't get it. Like, and, it's not, and it's not a case of, you know, somebody's died in the family or something. Right, Tra- like bereavement, yeah. He, he's not on bereavement mm. because they would have come out and said that. They would have said, he's on, listen, he's on bereavement leave. And I'm like, oh, okay, non-story. We'll worry about it when he comes back. Like, when like the difference, and I know, like, you know, I, we were talking before the show, like the Dennis Rodman thing. Mm-hmm. He still showed up to games. Oh, yeah. And if he didn't, you bet Jordan would have been on his ass. I just don't understand. Like, I don't get, like, me let alone I, I, as a coach, coaching CYO with basketball, and and me only being 33 years old, and when I, like, the last, I haven't coached the last two years, but when I coached the, the most le- recent year, I was only 31. That's 12-ish years of separation yeah. between the ki- me and the kids that I'm coaching. And, like, I, when I played CYO, I worked hard. Like, I, I sure. like, we, as a team, were like, we want to win games. And I have these kids that I coach, and I'm like, that you know, I can't get them to, I can't connect with them at, at, a, at a level of like, you know, like we need to work hard so we can win. And, you know, we have to balance that with goofing around, let alone like, you know, here's a man who, you know, uh, is a successful NBA basketball player who now just ups and like deuces. I'll be back when I'm back. And it's not even in a, in a comical way. Like when it was, what was it? Tim Duncan's last year where Greg Popovich listed him on the did not do not will not play list because old right this is just one of those situations that the reasoning for his departure is what everybody is is really honing in on if he took time off because he needed a break from what's going on with the social issues okay that's one thing sure but it's another when now this footage has shown up about him celebrating at a party and going off the espn article i'm reading the leaks i'm going to quote it The league's COVID-19 guidelines forbid players from going to clubs, bars, and lounges. They also ban players from attending social gatherings of more than 15 people. And I should add to that, Coach brought up the James Harden situation, which was from the Mm offseason. Harden got fined $50,000 for that. Right. You don't think that if this, if when the the event, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, the NBA finishes their investigation with this. If it comes out that it was over the weekend, how many figures you figure that's going to be? Well, I, I read it. So it's 17 point or 18.6 percent of his daily salary. Well, that's is well, yeah. deducted plus uh, the games that he missed full game checks. Oof. So lots of cash. It's a lot of cash. So so is, that 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 18, by the way, is the rest of the year. Right, right. 
it's a lot of cash and it's a lot of questions to ask, especially for somebody who is the face of a franchise. And it is very outspoken about issues and social issues. That, right. Like, like Ken said, if this was a case of he just needed a mental break because of what's going on in the, in the United States socially, I understand No that. problem. Get that. Totally understand. I think us as a country were pretty much all there by the end of Wednesday night last week. You know, but that being said, with as outspoken as he is, I draw a question to it and kind of doubt it because you're very outspoken. You went and you posted on on Instagram how you weren't going to do media interviews and then you're doing media interviews and just how outspoken you are. If it is the case that you're sitting out because you needed a mental break because of what happened... Why haven't you done anything? Why haven't you said anything? Why haven't? Why hasn't it come out that? Right, like oh, you've to, been in contact with somebody. Like to just like up and say because Boston, so Boston and uh, Orlando were set to play that night in Boston, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, had uh, uh, you know, and I was texting you guys that Boston had or or so maybe it's not Boston or Orlando, but I know it was Boston that the it might have been Charlotte that the team had walked off the court. Yeah, and. You know that they they, they weren't going to play, and all of a sudden I was like, "Oh my god!" Like this is a nationally televised game that's about to go on. They're not going to play, and you know they came together. You know I think the captains talked and decided to play. Um, you know for the betterment of you know being a distraction to what's going on in the world, and then like yeah, and you know like when the the thing went down in the bubble and the the teams opted not to play, it was a team decision. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody said, "All right, we're going to make this stance." Like. You know, if it is for the social reason, then, like, make a statement. Like, have a press release. Sure. Have you and, your, you know, the organization come out and say something. But, like, you know, to up and leave. Like, the, my problem is leaving your teammates. Like, that's the shit that I can't, I can't understand. Like, we grew up with Mark Messier, mm-hmm. right, sure. as the captain of the Rangers. Sure. Like, switching sports. He would have died for the players on that team. Like, he literally would have taken pucks to the face to win games. Mm -hmm. We grew up with Patrick Ewing, a leader in all sense of the words. Now, was he, you know, the tough, stout leader? No, but did you want to mess with him in the locker room? Absolutely not. But you also had Charles Oakley, who was the the voice of reason in that locker room, who, who was the enforcer, you know? And Anthony Mason, like, those tough guys, like, you know, you, you you have this situation where you have to rely on your teammates to be there. And with Spencer Dinwiddie going down for the year now and, you know, only playing 72 games, you know, these, these games matter. And for you to miss a week of games, that's six games that you're missing. And I, and I dug up his uh, information on Spotrack.com. Because of the clauses and the bonuses he can hit with the way his contract is, a number of those are uh, contingent on him playing 60-plus games. Now... In a normal season, he'd have some leeway because they they play a few more games, but because it's only seventy two, he's got and they and they've already played eleven games. He's got no leeway. If things hold out the way they are, he's losing out on about six hundred and twenty five thousand dollars this year. I mean, just the, like but the, the the locker room, you know, like well, that's another factor that's got to get thrown in because whatever the reason he did leave, the fact is he's gone. Yep. Now, if he took the time off to get his head right for social issues, okay, right. But, but even still, though, like talk. To your teammates. Well, that's right. the whole thing because nobody knows what's going on. Right. And nobody's we're, saying anything. We're getting a lot of smoke screen coming out of the Nets press organization. And 
the fact that nobody has came out to say anything right now. I know the NBA is or press anything. Well, the only thing I've heard is that Kevin Durant was asked about it, and he just simply said, "We've got his back." Well, that's one thing to have your players back, but <laughs> that's it's what he's a, saying but publicly. It, but it's yeah, it's a public thing. But you have to look at he's breaking protocol if this video is true. Like that's for me, that's the biggest takeaway. Right. Yeah. That okay, you did leave. Okay, you have your reasons. If they are true and they are for the social mental break, I have no issue with that. But what I do have an issue with is okay, if you're saying that, but you're caught on video partying, partying. yeah. And not really following the protocols, which your job has set you to do. And then you're going to try coming back when you feel like it. And now, since you've been around other people, the heightened chance of exposure, and we can get into the whole science of that, is such a red flag for your organization that Brooklyn and the NBA have to investigate this thoroughly. And they cannot do a slap on the wrist if he is found breaking well, I mean, protocol. Taking eighteen or uh, yeah, taking eighteen point six percent of the but, daily salary. But you almost have to do even a, a, a more well, steeper penalty. Well, you almost you have to because what you're doing is you have to have precedent. You have to have something established because if one player gets away with doing something. This opens up a door for somebody else. Well, I mean, the other problem is, too, is, like, you talk about, like, the Nets were big on culture, mm-hmm. right? Like, and they sacrificed all that to sign Kevin Durant and, um, you know, and Kyrie. Like, that was the big thing. Like, they were, with Kenny Atkins, they were, hey, we're rebuilding culture. We're, we're putting a winning culture in mind, like, yada, 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 you know. And then they let all those players go, minus uh, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, and Jared Allen. And then they bring in those two, you know, these two superstars. And, you know, you fire Atkins, Atkinson. You bring in Steve Nash to be a first-time head coach of this team with Mike D'Antoni, you know, obviously a veteran experience. But, like, to let, you know, the the players run the asylum, like, that's yeah. the that was the problem in New York, you know. And when they brought in Phil Jackson, it was that they, you know um, – I can't remember the agency, but whoever, like the Knicks had like nine players who were all signed by the same agency and they were literally just running yeah, the Knicks. That's the problem. And, and Phil Jackson came in and said, no, 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 traded J.R. Smith for nothing, traded Amon Shumpert for nothing, got rid of Mello, you know, got rid of all those guys who were part of that agency to try and break it down to rebuild the culture. Um, you know, that's a problem. Like to me, like if I was in the organization and I'm seeing like, and I know Kyrie and KD have a very different relationship and they are very, they're very close. I mean, obviously, uh, Durant, you know, had that interview, uh, with Charles Barkley, the infamous interview where Mm -hmm. he, you know, didn't give him any acknowledgement and one word answers and was very short. And, you know, the guys off the air made fun of him, uh, made fun of Barkley for it. And so I, I can understand them being cool with it, but like if I'm Karis LeVert, if I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, who's now down for the year, if I'm Jared Allen, you know, if I'm DeAndre Jordan, if I'm these guys watching this from the sideline being like, you know, all right, he left for a week. What's to stop him from doing it again? What the fuck, right? Yeah. That's the problem you have now. And we know with Kyrie's track record where he's been with other teams, he has been a distraction for teams. Yeah. We saw in Cleveland, he couldn't play with LeBron, needed to go out, went to Boston. Oh, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. He willingly told that fan base. And he was the star of that team, and he couldn't play there. So now he's in Brooklyn, where he is in the biggest media market in the world. He does not have that luxury for room for no, error. He's no, he's lucky he's not a Nick. 
is what oh, I'm going to say. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to get unpopular again. I guess I'm I, Pat and I tag team, and I'm the heel now. Because yeah. he's lucky he's not Nick. Because if he was a Nick, this would be everywhere. They, he would be getting ripped to shreds. Let's say this would have opened every sports talk show in the city you want, on Monday morning. You want to talk about his mental health. Well, let's hear you get talked about by MSG, ESPN, Fox Sports. I'm sure probably... Uh, you yes, network it. would have picked up on it. Yeah, oh, SNY yeah. would have been talking oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know, all these front media page. front page of the Post, mm. front page of the Daily Times, yeah. the Daily News. You know, it would have been everywhere. USA Today would have been talking. You know, everywhere would have been talking about it. his face. Would have been everywhere. You want to talk about a check in then? Well, that's what he's going to be facing now because the longer he is gone, and if this video. Turns out to be true. That the story that he allegedly gave about why he left turns out to be false. The public backlash that the NBA in Brooklyn are going to have to deal with, I don't know if they're ready for it. I, no. I disagree with you because I bet you it just gets swept under the rug. Because but, they did with Los Angeles. Let's talk about the Clippers and the uh, culture that they had there with Kyrie and Paul George. You know, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie I'm sorry, Kawhi, Kawhi and Paul George being able to not have to live uh, within 45 minutes of the practice facility, uh, Kawhi was able to drive in from San Diego, was often late to practice, created a lot of tension in the locker room with some of the stars uh, or among the other players. Do we talk about that now? Well, we, we we don't, but I think that's a different case scenario. Like, but, it's, for- but it's not, though, because here we are in a major media market with uh, you know two stars that are getting special treatment who now we don't talk about at all. Now, all right, I guess it is different in the sense of the COVID thing. Yes. But... But James Harden, that's no. gone too. Well, that's, you know? that's because he, for what he went through, did his time, paid his fine, and it hasn't been an issue since. But my, what I'm saying is that it's going to get pushed under the rug, though, because Brooklyn's a secondary market. See, I don't think it's going to, to be honest. I, I, I hope that I'm wrong. But I, I, or I mean, I hope I'm right about this because, well, like I said, you need to do precedence about this and like i say if it does get swept under the rug i feel that in my opinion the nba has opened up a huge can of worms Mm -hmm. because if this video turns out to be true like if he gets exonerated okay fine story's done but if this turns out to be true and you willingly have now violated the protocol set how are you going to justify that to the rest of the players in your league right how so why i think it will though is because uh, just they're a secondary market. They uh, even right now, as hot as this story is, right now, what is everybody talking about? They're still talking about the national championship game that was a blowout in college football. They're still talking about the fact that the Knicks are losers of three. At least in the New York media, mm. they're talking about how R.J. Barrett is the most inconsistent player in the NBA right now in his second year and can't find a jump shot. That's what. The New York media is talking about right now. Secondary is Kyrie. I will give you that, but I think that the longer he's gone, I think that's going to start picking up steam. That that's my thing because I, the only thing that helps is they play each other tomorrow, right? And the fact that, that you're will, missing that game and on, it's on ESPN. Yeah, on ESPN. That's yeah. what's going to spark that flame. Yep. And that I think that if he doesn't come out with a press release or the Nets don't come out with an official. Press release, not the one that Steve Nash kind of, in my opinion, blew off. Ho-hum, ho-hum yeah. done. The fact that if they don't have something concrete, 
you're now going to have a very high-profile game because, let's face it, they're facing the Knicks, and say what you will. It's still, and this is the only Knicks um, ESPN broadcast. Right. There's a lot of eyes on you. You have to address the situation at hand. You can't just say, well, he's gone, and just kind of sweep it under the rug because this is a primetime game. And, and we're, I'm going to say apples to oranges, but this is like when Philly pulled their players almost. You can't duck what's out there on the field. You, well, you can't, you can't duck what's out there in front of the eye. Right. That's what I'm saying. You, know? you can't dodge that. It's going to be there because when they're going, okay, well, where's Kyrie? Oh, well, he's not here. Well, why hasn't he been here? And they have to explain that story to a national audience. Right, which will get asked because, yeah, I mean, they're not going to – it's not like they're not going to, to not talk about it. You know, yeah. it's a not something that the, you know, like the reporters of that, the uh, Bondies and all those guys, they're not going to not ask that question just because they're asked not to. Right. They have to ask that question. So, so I pulled up the New York Post website in their sports section because I was curious. First, uh, first thing you see, Kyrie Irving party video isn't sitting well with Richard Jefferson. Uh, and then I just went over the New York. <laughs> Richard Jefferson. I went over the New York. I went over the New York Daily News. Uh, first two articles I got are about some soccer player. From other ones about the Mets. Uh, and then right, of course, beautiful, beautiful design editing side by side. Uh, one article: Knicks head into first matchup versus Nets, looking like more st- the more stable franchise. And right next to it. NBA to investigate video that appears to show Nets star Kyrie Irving attending part uh, birthday bash. Well, to, I mean, tomorrow you know what's going to be on. Today their back pages were not Kyrie. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Tomorrow is when the flame gets lit, and for Brooklyn and the NBA, they have to put it out quickly. Now, how they do this is they have to be very thorough about that investigation. And like I say, if Kyrie is completely cleared, that's one thing. The fact that if he is caught on video, which is now circulating because it's viral, and hey, this is the digital age we live in, Uh they can't try spinning this when he is willingly violating protocol. To me, to be fair, it's egregious either way. Oh, it is. Completely. It's the fact that he left his team. You can't abandon. I I can't fathom a world where it's like you get paid to play the game, like that's the old saying, right? Like yeah. you get your practice, you get you pay to practice, you get paid to practice, and then the winning the game or playing the game is like the the reward of practicing. Yeah. Like you know, and for Allen Iverson, as difficult as it was for practice, like it's because he was playing forty seven to forty eight minutes a night, getting dumped to the floor, and he didn't want to practice because his body was banged up. Yeah, that's. That's okay. Like, you're at least playing in the games. It, it's just a different era we live Dude, in. Dude, it's nuts. It's I insane. Know. It is. I'm t- I'm 12 years removed from high school kids, and I you can't connect with this group of genera- this generation. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's a whole different animal to deal with. But the major thing, and like I say, with athletes and what they do, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole different ball of wax, a whole different animal to deal with. But for this situation, and especially in the era we live in, Social media, baby. Social media and COVID. It's it's not going away. The fact that these protocols are now being called into question, Brooklyn and the NBA have to address this. Oh, yeah, no. It, like you said, it's one thing for him to say, oh, I need some personal time. Okay, fine. Yeah. Get that. If you're photographed, because let's face it, the New York paparazzi is about as rabid as anybody else on the planet. I argue you to find somebody more rabid. You know, it's one thing... For him to say, oh, I'm going to take some time. And then he's he's photographed going to some corner, you know, food store, picking up lunch or something. That's one thing. I, yeah, it's oh, one thing. Okay, I get that. But for him to go, oh, I'm taking, for them to come out and say, oh, he's taking some personal time. 
And then you don't hear hide nor hair of him, which is fine. He's taking personal time. He doesn't have to hop on Twitter or Instagram just to explain where he is to us. That's fine. But for the next instance, we see him to go, oh, hey, he's taking personal time. He's got some personal stuff going on. Yeah, that personal stuff is him showing up in a club dancing. Not a good look. Yeah, it's not a good look. And the fact that the Nets are completely dodging this and the NBA now has to do the investigation, which they, like I say, it's all coming down to precedent. If Kyrie has violated precedent and said one thing and did another, that's a whole ball of wax that they're going to need to deal with. And they have to be swift about it. Because now, if you let him slide, you are going to have that door open that if other players start doing this, and then, God forbid, that we have a spike in, in COVID, we have a lot of more health concerns, because players are seeing this door open, you're going to have a lot of explaining to do that you can't just say, well, and brush your shoulders. You're going to need to address this. They're going to have to suspend them. They're going to have to do something. I don't know how long, but the fines aren't going to be enough. Exactly. Because you've got some players who are just going to, oh, I can just skip games and violate protocol, and all they're going to hit me is in my wallet. <laughs> Fuck, I don't well, care. The suspension would be, I think, during the quote-unquote testing and incubation phase Yeah, that he would have to be on quarantine. So Yeah, because now whenever he decides to return, he's going yeah, to Yeah, because, I mean, what, James Harden had two weeks or a week and a half that he had to be Something in quarantine. Like that, so. Yeah. so whenever Kyrie decides he says he's coming back, I mean, there's so many unanswered questions about this that we all have to watch as fans, and now all the eyes are on the NBA, not for the play, but for how they're going to deal with this situation. Something to keep uh, an eye on as the weeks are moving forward. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Kyrie Irving situation, what are you thinking? Let's have that talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Matt Drew. This is Julian Hepworth. I'm Ross Marchuka. And I'm John McBride. And we're shout out to Robots. You're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round the bases and take the show home, Pad. Yeah, I got uh, some unfortunate news to pass along. Uh, it was announced last week uh, that Hall of Fame manager, legendary baseball uh, coach Tommy Lasorda uh, had passed away at the age of 93. Uh, he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, from 1954 to 1955, and he played for the Kansas City Athletics uh, in, for 1956. Uh, he then uh, was a coach for the LA Dodgers from 1973 to 1976 and then he also managed uh, the LA Dodgers from 1976 to 1996 uh, he was a two-time World Series champion uh, in 1981 and then 1988 was a two-time NL manager of the year in 1983 and 1988 uh, and also his uh, number two jersey was retired by the uh, Dodgers uh, and then he was inducted into the 1997 Baseball Hall of Fame uh, he also won a gold medal uh, for the United States States uh, in the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games uh, for baseball. Definitely a huge loss for the sport of baseball. Definitely a one-of-a-kind character. You know, a lot of people remember him for his world title runs. I will most fondly remember him from the All-Star the All-Star game. I think it was like 2000, 2001, where he was third base. He was the third base coach. In uh, a, a bat, I think a bat had broke. You can look up the clip on YouTube. A bat, bat gets broken, you know, off a swing, you know, foul pitch, a bat breaks, and it goes flying towards Tommy. And Tommy, at the, you know, the ripe young age of like 70-something at that point, 
tumbling head over heels and he he pops back up and he just kind of goes hey you whippersnapper he starts like you know holding the bat like uh, you know just sorely missed definitely one of a kind and well wishes to his friends and family yeah absolutely uh always a very charismatic character in baseball to say the least and obviously so uh, well associated with the dodgers and our deepest condolences out to his family friends and fans all over the world coach uh, there was a national championship game played on Monday. Was kind it? of. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is up your alley. So. I mean, Alabama absolutely roll tied the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, fifty-two to twenty-four. Uh, yeah, I mean this game was not even close. Pat, you, you got those stats? Yeah, so fifty-two to twenty-four. Mac Jones, thirty-six of forty-five for four hundred and sixty-four yards passing. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, average 10.3 yards per pass. Justin Fields, 17 of 33 for 194 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, the notable stat, though, is Devontae Smith, uh, the wide receiver for Alabama. Uh, 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns. The, Jesus Christ. You missed the actual the most notable stat, that Notre Dame held Alabama to their lowest point total of 32 all season. I might be familiar with that. So let's just keep that in mind the next time we're like, oh, Notre Dame couldn't hang with the Power 5 conferences because Alabama was a whole nother level this year. And so I was driving into work because I listened to the ESPN morning show and they were talking about how is this the greatest Alabama team? And I was like, hmm, interesting. So I went back and I looked at their uh, first-round picks from the year before. Okay. They lost two offensive players, Tua and Ruggs. They returned nine starters, and, you know, obviously I just – I'm trying to – so I'm trying to process and wrap my head around the fact that this team won the national title the way that they did, but last year's team was one of Alabama's worst seasons that they've had arguably in the last – 10 years or 15 years that Saban's been head coach. Yeah. Tua and Ruggs are the only two differences, and this is the greatest team of all time. You fully believe that? No, no. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't add up. Like, how do you lose Tua, who is arguably one of the greatest college quarterbacks uh, to come through, you know, since Tim, you know, Tim Tebow, you know, that type of guy? Um, and, you know, Ruggs, who is a good wide receiver, but he obviously isn't Devontae Smith good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now this is the greatest team. I would love to see them play the LSU team last year. That mm-hmm. would be a very Ooh, fun matchup. That'd be fun. Um, and other than that, you know, my biggest takeaway from this game is, well, my dreams of Devontae Smith falling to 11 are gone because he's oh. definitely going to be a top five pick. Yeah, yeah no that, question of that. I mean, I, I still had hopes when he won the Heisman. I was like, all right. He could still fall to 11 just because he won the Heisman. Uh, to quote WWE, no chance in hell. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he came out and put this performance on. In the fucking first half. Yeah, and then all dreams and hopes were slowly <laughs> poof. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a top five pick. And the thing that is the the thing that I try and wrap my head around with him is that he did this in this game because – the Notre Dame game, all right, you know, I already stated, like, they, you know, besides Kyle Hamilton and Kiramora, uh, uh, they have no other great elite top 25 talent on defense, mm-hmm. right? Like, they just don't have it. But here he did it against Sean Wade, who is arguably one of the best cover corners in all of college football. Yeah. And he still couldn't cover him. There was a bubble screen in the first quarter that I, I was like, oh, they're going to stop him, you know, for like a six-yard gain. They had him pinned up against the sideline. And then all of a sudden, he just kicked, clicked on this afterburner and just ran and got another 12 yards. And I'm like, 
I turned to, you know, Aaron and I'm like, holy shit. Like, I knew this kid was the real deal after the Notre Dame game. Now I know he oh, is yeah. the real deal. Like, if he could go number one. Oh, easily. He's that, like, I don't. I think he's going number three. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's top five. Yeah, he's, I don't think he makes a top three. No. Like, I, I, I think that. I I don't doubt the Jets taking him at two or some team well, trading with the Jets. Well, that's to get the thing though. Like if the Jets are in a very precarious position right now because with Sam Darnold, you know, and whoever they bring in as head coach, they have options because if they feel comfortable with Darnold, you can go get yourself yeah. your number one wide receiver yeah. and be all right. Or you know, you can trade this pick and let somebody go after Justin Fields or the Zach Taylor out of. Uh, uh, BYU. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot at play with this number two oh, yeah. pick. I love yeah. the draft. It's yeah. so like, the, how fun is that? Like the Jets literally hold all the chips yeah. for this draft this year. Like normally it's like the number one pick. Like when Cleveland had that number one pick, there was a lot of flirting of what they could do. Yeah. Like you know, and then the last few years, the number one pick's pretty much been settled. Right. The number one pick settled again, but number two is very very exciting. It's the one great thing about the draft is a team can rebuild very quickly. Oh, and and, and Doug Peterson got fired. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was so much happening going on, too, with playoff football. We were right. You were wrong. Suck it, Philly. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Not all Philly. Only the Philly fans that were like, it's okay that they lost this game because apparently it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. And this is where we're going to see what Philly is really made of. Yeah. Because – now it's going to be a new era. Whoever's taken over that team, I know that there's been a lot of names already. Oh my god, by. they've already they have three interviews lined up already. We yeah, you yeah. know what Philly's made of: cheese steaks and anger management. Yeah, no facts and throwing games. Ooh, Ooh. allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. Do the no, I'm not fucking throwing allegedly. I saw it. Well, I saw what I saw. But, but I, I can't. Com- that can't be unseen. But coming off the national championship game, though, there's a new name in that can top. Pick contention, dude. I mean, if like if Jacksonville had a quarterback that they were even comfortable with, they, I if they took Devontae Smith one, I'd be like, okay, like yeah. it makes sense. But with them not, you know, with them desperately needing a quarterback and having uh, the decent wide receiver play that they had last year, plus James Robinson, like Trevor Lawrence makes sense there. Yeah. But then when you flip it and you're like, you look at the Jets at two, you're like, you went out and got Beckman last year, so you have your left tackle. Mm-hmm. You went out and you got. Um, you know, you have Darnold already in place on a rookie deal still, so you can go out and get yourself something, right. or you can trade back and, you know, retool your roster through the draft. It's like so many options. It's so many options, and it's smart for them to really think about because yeah, obviously they have to. They, there's so many questions that the top echelon teams in the draft are really going to have to sit there and analyze. And for Alabama to put that statement game on, Justin Fields, I mean – did his draft stock slip? Did it no, stay I mean, no, I mean, stayed the same. He was he was hurt. The funny thing that I read was uh, Jamar Chase out of LSU. Uh, somebody said today, like, did his stock get hurt by not playing? Mm-hmm. And the commentator wrote back and said, no. Well, yes, it did because Devontae Smith jumped him. Yeah, Waddle arguably. You know, prior to the injury and then possibly, you know, who knows the the obviously came up limp every time he ran. Yeah. Not smart to play in that game, but that's different topic. Different topic. Um, you know, arguably, did he jump him? Possibly. And Kyle Pitts, who you know, out of Florida, yeah. who 
you know, as a tight end or wide receiver could could have jumped them too. So like, and I I mean I know that the the common the commenter was like go out and you know go watch Chase's highlight tapes and it'll, you know it will show you why they didn't jump his stock. But it's like it kind of did to me because I'm talking about what's fresh in my mind right now and those things are fresh. And not even to mention the kid out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. the other wide receiver. Oh my god, I forgot about him. Like this is a deep wide receiver class, and the kid from Purdue. Yeah, the kid from Purdue sat too. So, All right, so I'm I'm not as happy about losing Devonte Smith, but I have now I've had my calm down moment here because I forgot about those guys. So All right, because right. now the off season starts for a lot of college programs and for the NFL. So this I miss college ha- football this, already. Yeah, this is what happens when you get your national champion, and Alabama is still rolling that tide one more time. Dude, they are going to be good next year too. They're already top recruiting top, class. Yeah, top recruiting class. Fuck. <laughs> Wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the saving era right now, so yeah, unless somebody can knock them off. They were talking about, I mean, just to get my Notre Dame bar in real quick because I just want to. Um, <laughs> the, uh, my little pod, the Notre Dame show that I like to listen to was talking about how, like, Notre Dame's going to recruit in cycles. So they're going to base everything off of four-year increments. Cause they can't compete with Alabama. They can't retool the way that Alabama and L- like no, well not LSU but Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, like how they keep having top three five star prospects coming every single year that they literally just a guy leaves, plug and play, you know, like they have to go out and kind of build like how like a, a mid major in college basketball does, mm-hmm. where they go out and they get one really good recruiting class, have their lumps freshman, sophomore, and junior year, but then that senior year. They've been playing together for four straight years, and they just make a run to the tournament. Yeah. That's what this. That's what Notre Dame needs to do. It's a lot of headlines to keep watching, so definitely have to stay tuned for that. Miss it. I know you miss it already. But I got something that's coming back that will cheer you up. Oh, p- tell me. And that is the NHL is back no, Wednesday. That doesn't make How me feel dare you? better. How dare you say that? Because the Blue Shirt Nation is going to stand up. We have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, another year of rebuilding. Oh, you stop. You bite your tongue. We're ready to go now. We're <laughs> I mean, ready to go. Listen, I, I, the Rangers have just been disappointing me, Ken. Disappointing, but we have a new number one draft pick in town. Lafreniere is in ready to rock and roll. The lineup Made the roster. Yeah. Oh, he's number one draft picks. I mean, they usually do, and he's definitely looking like he's going to be the guy. Like early in an offset. So I'm like, I'm excited to see. Shudderkin is back, so I mean I'm not saying he's going to be in talk for best goalie of the year, but they're going to contend. And the Benajab, you know, Mika's still there. The Kreider is re-upped. I mean, they got the tools right now that they could make a run. So we also got to give a well wishes to former New York Ranger Henrik Lundqvist, yeah, who, yeah. who, who needs open heart surgery. Yeah, that's, Oof. that's a tough I think you're ahead him. I think, I, sur- I think the surgery. Uh, it was it was coming up, but, okay. I, but we haven't heard anything since. But obviously, our Delicious. our positive energy and thoughts go right out to him. So absolutely obviously to our king. But for what the Rangers have lined up, I mean, Panarin is going to be doing Panarin things, and I mean, it's going to be exciting to watch. Obviously, this season is going to be a little different. Uh, we're going to be having the four divisions. So in the North, which I guess is getting the hashtag the We the North division. Yeah, boo. I, I still allow it. You got the Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Winnipeg Jets, Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames, Vancouver Canucks, and Ottawa? Uh, yes. Or did yes. I say that twice already? Because I couldn't tell if it said that or Montreal. Uh, north is Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. That's why Pad's got me. Who else we got in the East, Pad? Uh, Boston, Buffalo, Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, Philly, and Pittsburgh, and Washington. I'm excited about that one. Central. Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, 
Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. And one more left up. Uh, Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. Yes. So it's going to be a little shorter season than we're used to. Trade deadline is April 12th. The Seattle Kraken, Ooh. the new franchise. Hashtag release the Kraken. Yes, is going to be drafting in July. I'm just saying, I, I don't know if the folks at the uh, PR team or whatever team for Seattle can hear us. If you don't get Liam Neeson to record you some sort of line saying release the Kraken, you're dropping the ball. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. They're going to be doing some fun stuff for that. And obviously, like we say, they're going to build off the success of last year. So I'm excited to see hockey back. I mean, obviously, if it's the Rangers are looking good, it's going to be a good time. Uh, playoffs are supposed to start around May 8th, and they're going back to the 16 best uh, seven four-round format. So this should be kind of interesting to see. So if I say if I saw it correctly, because when does the season start? Like there are games tonight? They start Wednesday so as we record. Starting Wednesday, there's like 116 straight days of hockey. God bless it. Uh, AHL, depending on where you are, obviously there's a, some other nah. rules going on. Uh, <laughs> coach is just getting bitter. We're just making him angry here. That's what we try doing. They uh, said, they, did you see that press release that the Devils released? No, I didn't. Oh, they said, ooh, the Bingham, the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils have uh, assigned nine players to the Binghamton Devils. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Just a slap in the face. It is what it is, but you know what? I am just happy to see hockey back. I'm hoping for a healthy season for everybody, and we get back to like some kind of sense of normalcy. Blue Shirt Nation, stand the puck up. Let's go. And obviously, for more information, we'll just plug NHL.com. So you can get all your hockey fix starting this week. So Rangers kick off Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yes, against those correct. Islanders, so definitely be locked in for that. And to close out, we got a little bit of UFC action. Now, the, there is going to be a fight night, but it's going to be on the ABC network. Ooh, so we're going time. network broadcast big TV. A uh, very fun card is going on. Uh, you're in the middleweight division. You have Joaquin Buckley, who is known for doing that holding, spinning kick with the knockout of the year last year. He's back in action. Your co-main event is a welterweight classic if you're an old-school fight fan. Carlos Condit, the natural-born killer. God bless him. Amazing fighter. Taking on another amazing fighter in the immortal Matt Brown. This one is for old-school fight fans. And let's see what happens. And I, ABC. I mean, they've been yeah. on Fox before. Well, they've been on Fox, but this but is the first this time. But this is Disney, baby. Yeah, this uh-huh. is straight Disney. This, this is, is a Disney-associated ABC. Exactly. So this has a lot of weight to it. Uh, and obviously, if they're going to be doing it on ABC, we don't know if they're going to be doing any more going down the road. But might be a test. It's it's going to be a test to kind of see what we have coming up. So that being said, your main event is a featherweight bout between the one and only Maxi Baby, Max Holloway, and Calvin Qatar. Any feelings on this fight from the panel? Uh, it's on network TV, so there's going to be fireworks. Yeah, I mean, I hope they go out and put on a performance. I mean, obviously. The, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like things that I kind of miss, like uh, NBC Sunday afternoon basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I just miss that. So maybe like, you know, with everything going on, like a Saturday ABC card uh, at once a month where it's like a pay-per-view, you know, caliber card mm-hmm. would be kind of sick. I mean, I know the yeah. I know the UFC is a, you know, a billion dollar company now compared to when it was with Fox and, and Spike and everything. So like they don't need to be putting on pay-per-view level cards on uh, TV for free necessarily, but 
I still think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, and, and ABC has to show more than just you know the eight hours of uh, the game shows they show on on weekend nights. <laughs> yeah, so Saturday, yeah, Saturday, Saturday Big night, facts. Saturday night and Sunday night specifically reserved for ABC game shows. I just I think it's wicked cool because like it's something different that you know obviously yeah. I, ESPN you know without college football on Saturday night like that's a big void because I mean I would normally watch yeah. in mm. a traditional year would watch the Saturday night game on ABC because it's always a, a big top 25 matchup you know but obviously with COVID and everything it was a little bit different this year so I didn't watch as many top of the ABC games at night but this will be very cool yeah I'm very excited to see this I like Max in the main event this is going to be a scrap fight, too. I mean, I, Max kind of needs it, right? Max needs to win this. I think a little more so. Well, if Qatar gets in this, he's going to be in the contender talk, like number one contender talk. For Max, where do you go from here after he's been on a bad streak, but he's always entertaining? This isn't for a belt, so I really think he's going to step up for this. I think he's going to outpoint this. This is going to be a scrap. I'm excited to see it. So let's see what happens on Saturday. And then in between shows, too, because obviously next Saturday is the big, big Conor McGregor fight. Oh, yeah. Let's go. In between, there is a fight night going on Wednesday night. And and that one, your main event is Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. Uh, that one, I like Chiesa in that one. Well, how, now, how's the card looking Saturday? Because Aaron was asking. I, I, I my, And my father-in-law asked, too. And I said that I don't give a shit about the card because Conor's on. So the card is actually very, very good. Oh, yes. Bonus. Yes. Uh, to quickly read that off, I know we're going to get into a little more detail next week. So just, sure. Uh, we don't have to get picks. Uh, women's flyweight matchup Jessica Ive taking on Joanne Calderwood. That's going to be a scrap. Your co main is going to be freaking bananas. Dan Hooker is taking on recently signed from Bellator former champion Michael Chandler. Ooh. That's fireworks. And then your main is obviously Dustin Poirier taking on Conor McGregor. Everyone will be asleep by then. Yeah. And so this has got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, even in the prelims, you Khalil Roundtree's fighting too, so he's always entertaining to watch. And just kind of have to wait and see how this all shakes up. But, yeah, the fight is looking good. UFC's coming back strong to kick off 2021, so definitely stay tuned for that. We'll definitely deep dive into the Conor fight next week. But before we say goodbye... We have to give our predictions, not our locks and leaps, but our predictions for the NFL wild card action this weekend. So, Pad, you got the schedule lined up? Yeah, so uh, starting on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox uh, from Lambeau Field, you have the L.A. Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, And then at 8.15 on NBC, you have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Buffalo Bills from Bills Stadium in Orchard Park. Uh, then Sunday at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS, you have the Cleveland Browns taking on the Kansas City Chiefs from Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Uh, and then at eight, or excuse me, 6.40, uh, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints uh, on Fox from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Coach, who you got? As my, what are we doing, locks and leaps then? Just one pick just, and just one? Pick, just okay. your, your pick. All right, I, I'm going to go, I mean, Buffalo is going to be my stamp of approval. I, I guarantee that I definitely think that they're going to win. And uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to upset New Orleans at home. Pat? Uh, I think uh, Kansas City is going to win against Cleveland, and, and it ain't going to be close. All right, so I am going to say the Rams 
get blown out of the water oh, at Green Bay. Oh, okay, you were going to throw me there for a second. Yeah. No, I think that they get definitely blown out. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be too much for him. J- he's not worried about Jalen Ramsey. The only question is – He needs to worry about Aaron Donald. He has to worry about Aaron Donald. If he can get enough uh, space from him, he'll be okay. In the other matchup, the old man uh, face-off, I like Drew Brees. But I think this is going to be a shootout of some kind of weird, magical, epic proportion because I think that if they can have a matchup of Drew Brees taking on Aaron Rodgers or they can have a matchup of Tom Brady taking on Aaron Rodgers, that's the kind of where the cards are going to kind of set with this because I honestly think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. I like the over in this, but I like New Orleans taking this just at the buzzer, shall we say. Flipping it over to the AFC, I like Kansas City. I would love to see Cleveland pull off the miracle upset, but can they run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field? That's the question. For that long, I don't think so. Can they hang with them for a half? I think they can, but Kansas City has been known to drop 28 in their sleep. Can Cleveland match that firepower? I don't think so. I'm rooting for Cleveland. Don't get it wrong, but I think Kansas City wins this one outright. And then, obviously, the Bills hosting the Ravens. This is going to be a very tough matchup. I think a lot tougher than people think. Can the Bills keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket? That's the ultimate question. Can they really stop that run? They struggled all year with it. I feel they can because I think if they can keep Lamar in the pocket, they can win in a shootout. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be a blowout by any epic proportion. This could be a four-point difference, but I do like the Bills to take it. Not saying with the homer pick, but I feel that they got enough firepower that if they can just slow down Lamar Jackson's running, they can win this outright. And Baltimore better prepare for some cold weather because I'm looking at weatherchannel.com. Buffalo, they're calling for snow showers in various degrees Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And the low on Saturday night, 30 degrees. And the one thing to factor in, too, fans are allowed back in the stadium Saturday night supposed to and uh, Green Bay is going to get chilly too. Yeah, and, and I've been to I've been to Bill Stadium in December. It's fucking cold up there. It's cold, but the scariest thing that people don't realize, unless you're part of Bill's Mafia, how early that tailgate going to start? It's already started. Exactly. Those fans are going to be absolutely bananas in that stadium. That they're going to sound like fifty thousand in there. So Baltimore is definitely going to have their hands full. The Bills have their hands full, so we'll have to see what happens coming up this weekend. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf of Fair City Fire. Now, Brian, now Brian has got a concert going on Wednesday night, Pat. Mm-hmm. Do you know what he's playing? Uh, Beatles? Yes. He is doing a catalog of Beatles covers nice. via his Patreon. So where do you find out about all this? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Right on. You head on over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Brian, everything going on with Second Suitor, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, all the great music you hear on the ODPH. You can also swing by the directory, check out the friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, where we are going to be hanging out for the Twitch stream of the live reactions to UFC 257. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a fun night. Yeah. You can also check out Organizational Link Support and Black Lives Matter. You can also check out all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, because I say this once, I say this a thousand times, and it is fact. If you are in a pod group, and you're not on Podchaser with your group. You're not in a pod group. Sorry, just putting it out there. So definitely shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse. 
And of course, shout out to hashtag 607podcast and our friends over at 8122 Productions because they got a lot of stuff going on. And Big Natty Cool still on Twitter pad. Oh boy. He's still on there. So definitely shout out to Rich Ron, Mike C, and the rest of the gang over there doing a lot of big things. Big Natty Cool and Aaron meeting. That will be very fun. They have been talking about that on their show. Oh, shit. Sure. <laughs> so I'm just saying if Aaron, if Aaron has not listened, I can give her the Patreon uh, I've, hookup. I've, per- I've tried to prepare her. For what is Big Daddy Cool? It has been a hot topic on there. Yeah. Oh boy. So just be forewarned that I'm Aaron- just glad Cyborg or one of the other you know women fighters aren't fighting. Yeah. Um, that you know Big Natty would uh, be fawn to. Yes. Because that is what makes shit <laughs> very uncomfortable. Well, the fact that he has a live mic is always uncomfortable. Sure. So the fact that you get him behind a Patreon wall. Because $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table, and Lord knows what the hell he's going to say on Love is Scary. That is all I can allowed to talk about on there. So patreon.com slash 8122productions for more info on that. All of that, plus links to our T Public store. So if you want to get some ODPH swag, I believe there is a sale going on this week. So we'll be posting about that on our social media where you can find that and all so much more at ochodoroparlayhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach. Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one and only Padawan J. Brian Cashman, quit fucking around and re-sign DJ LeMayhew, goddammit. I'm your host, Ken Hum. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.